You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Grapple. I'm Benno. And I'm JP. I know Gareth this week, JP. Just uh, me and you holding the fort down. Gareth got pulled away last minute on yes. some non-Grapple business. But yeah. His you life. Know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's fair enough, you know. <laughs> Real life stuff to do. It's yeah, Valentine's yeah. Day as well, but I don't think he's uh, he's one to celebrate like uh, like like your good self. I don't think he's uh, I don't think that's what he's up to. No, no, the voice of cynicism on uh, on Valentine's Day, not not something I'm into, not something I've ever been into as well. I think, as I said in the pre-show, it, it always seemed to me the act of the very desperate man, like trying to make up in one day what they may well have not done for 364 and before that. <laughs> so, like you, it, it, it's that idea of like desperate romanticism on the last day. It, it's awful. The pressure that comes around it as well. So I just remove myself from it. But that's not why Gareth's off for that. Yeah, I can't any- imagine Sarah as well. Frankly, being in, <laughs> up, up for like Valentine's Day, if I'm going to be brutally honest. Maybe she's still celebrating us winning three 0 Maybe that's where what's happened there. Um. <laughs> that was the real Valentine's Day, wasn't it? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just celebrating. The heart belongs to Frank Lampard. <laughs> Look, Frankie's the, uh, the hero we all need. Uh, even I watched the bloody game at the weekend. But uh, yeah, I was going to say I'm finally I'm finally uh, free uh, for listeners. Last week, I do feel uh, I am human again. Uh, I, I did the entire ten day isolation period with COVID because I just couldn't uh, just couldn't get myself a negative test. JP, I was positive right through until until Sunday night. But yeah, I'm uh, out and about. Uh, I celebrated with a trip to Tesco today. That's. Uh, that's the the extent of the uh, the excitement of my life. Well, mate, at least you got the all clear. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's effectively, which is always a good good phrase to use. Um, so, like, yeah, you know, you're able to go out now. At least be able to kind of, you know, do a few things. Hopefully, you won't get punished for the temerity of travelling down south again. Like, mm-hmm. I, I think that you know, where, I'm just... where apparently yeah, it runs completely free. I've still not got it. I test every day, and I'm not feeling great today either. But I can't get it for yeah. love the money. I'm hoping I haven't like killed off anyone else because, like I said, I, on, the, on the show last week, I gave it to Matty, he gave it to Gary. I've, I've spoken mm. to my, my youngest brother who works in the Weatherspoons we went to um, when I met uh, Gary and Matty and that before TNT Ooh. last week. He's had COVID for the last 10 days, so I'm wondering if I'm uh, responsible for that as well. But I was trying to be good. Like Joe was up in Liverpool over the weekend, um, mm. and I unfortunately couldn't meet up with uh, with him without having the negative test. But it, the one thing I'll miss, it was giving me a lot of good excuse to order like takeaways in, um, to the point where like I ordered, when we were doing the weekend show on Friday, 
You know, I was waiting for that uh, that delivery to come. Yeah, it didn't it didn't come in the end. Uh, it just basically didn't turn up at mm. all. So that that kind of took really, the yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I had like a funny old weekend with that. Like it, it was one of them where like it was, um, you know, in just eat. It was like it's coming, it's coming. The the guys at the guys at the uh, at the shop now, and then the shop closed, and the guy never turned up with the food. It was like the most frustrating thing in the world. And then on on, on Sunday when it was like day ten of my isolation, I got my first negative test i'd uh i'd, I'd kind of gone for one more round i ordered one more like uh mcdonald's in um from the local uh from the <laughs> from the local shitty mcdonald's that literally get my order wrong every single time i order and they just brought me someone right. someone's in, someone else's food order entirely which was great you know it was like it was like a it was like a reminder of you need you listen you can go outside now you need to stop ordering so many takeaways i got some nubbeds big mac so they'd order the one of those plain chicken sandwiches or something like that it was all it oh, wasn't yeah. my order jp it's on the savers there. menu mate isn't it it was a big saver menu order but i, I got a refund and i ended up going because i could leave the house again and i don't know anybody else in my street i went to the shop two doors down and um gave the bloke me uh the two cheeseburgers they gave me because i couldn't eat them because they had cheese on them so yeah that was that felt like my good deeds of the weekend i'm just hoping i didn't give that bloke COVID as well well i don't know now you want to keep an eye out particularly with your neighbors like you don't <laughs> want to be trusting them as well i mean like, he's already got enough threats without being like having having being riddled, riddled with covid did he did he would he did he seem grateful did yeah, he make sure. you think well ne- next time he gets some decent beer in he'll give you a shout <laughs> yeah. maybe that'd be you know play it forward really I told Matty I'd done it, and he went, "Oh, what's the, what's the what's the bloke's name?" And I was like, "I oh, don't know, mate. I think that's his name." <laughs> that's what I call. Why does he need to know his name? Why Why do you know, need to know that? That's... Do you know, know the name of the bloke in your corner, Chef? Christ, no, I don't. As well, I've had I'm not allowed like big in depth conversations, but during lockdown, like mm. you saw, it, it was it was the local corner. Chef shops were the places that you were going to and I, i'm very lucky that i'm very well served like mm. near me for for that uh the good kind of little mini mart type stores yeah me um yeah so like you know i feel bad now that i never asked this man his, his name and he was like a godsend during the uh, uh during lockdown there's a there's a few places near me yeah i feel bad like jesus just taking these 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 guys for granted. We said this during lockdown. It's like you know, nobody nobody knows you like the uh, the bloke in the corner shop. You know, he knows all your vices. He knows mm. he knows all those treats you go for on a Friday Saturday night. He knows what uh what alcohol you're into. You know, you know he knows more about you than some of your best mates. And as Matty um, uh, exposed me for, I don't know the bloke's name, but I gave him a couple of cheeseburgers. So you know, hopefully we maybe I'll take this relationship to the next level. Maybe you can start feeding me cat when I go away or something like that. Call it can, quits. Uh, call uh, <laughs> start a proper relationship. It'll be like a sitcom then, won't it? If you've got like, you know, the guy in the two shop two doors down knowing a lot about your life as well. Mm. I was dynamite, whatever that is, Benno. <laughs> <It's just> like... <laughs> you must think though, because sometimes I go in there, like, you because know, you, you, that's the other thing when you go to the corner shop, like, you're not asked what you look like, are you? especially in lockdown. And I've got nah. it in there, I, I haven't got it on now, but I've got another, you know, me, uh, me American males hoodie. And it just says, like, the yeah. front of it just says American males, American males, American males, etc. And the back of it <laughs> is a topless picture of Buff Bagwell and Scotty Riggs. And, like, I've definitely got that shot with that top on. And he was just like, really? why, why, why wear a t-shirt with two flexing blokes on the back? I mean, I'm sure he doesn't judge me, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's a hard one to explain. Uh, most wrestling t-shirts. 
Those are very hard to explain though, aren't they? Because I mean, like if I walk around with the bruiser Brody one, mm-hmm. they're just like, what the fuck is up with this lad? There's just a ble- bleeding, bearded, screaming man like mm-hmm. on, on the front of his T-shirt. It doesn't really make any sense, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's some bad they ones. Get, they don't get the irony, you see. Yeah, and I they're think so that's loud. It's so big. Yeah, like there's some like like some wrestling fans are literally willing to like wear wrestling like t-shirts and merchandise like anywhere, but I think there's like a limit because I think like mm. in context like a t-shirt that just says the man on it for Becky Lynch, okay, that makes sense. Or like tribal chief for Roman Reigns, like but what did what's just regulars walking down the street thing? Why is that bloke got a t-shirt on? Says tribal chief or. <laughs> You know, one of those old ones, like the APA one, always pounding ass. Or, you know, yeah, some bad Billy Gunn t-shirts. t-shirts. Yeah, like so many of them. Yeah, I mean, at least Austin three sixteen and NWO kind of at least looked reasonably cool, and they were somewhat like they were simple in design. When I mean, Austin three sixteen was just like kind of you know, it worked for that. It, it worked for that, mm. but um, yeah, some of them these days. I, I mean, I can remember. It, you know, Chris Benoit coming out to a toothless aggression t-shirt. Mm. Which is, and it was just like one of the worst t-shirts I've ever seen. It was just absolutely awful. And they, they, they went through that for a long time. It's like, God forbid we use subtlety on a wrestling t-shirt, but there is a wrestling t-shirt that does have subtlety. And, and if you go to uh grapple.bigcartel.com, then uh, <laughs> obviously you'll find you that. the early. As I, as I as I model uh, here, the the black version. Uh, there's a black and a white version. Simplicity, yin and yang. Well, this is great content for the audio right. listeners. But I am actually wearing the uh, we're wearing the, wearing the, you know you might recognise the uh, the hat there, uh, JP. Um, you know it's uh, not saying I'm a, ah. I'm a glory hunter in uh, in any ways, but uh, yeah, LA Rams hat. It's uh, I bought I bought this hat purely purely. Because it was the cheapest hat on um, on some website when my hair was uh, was all grown out during uh, during COVID, and it's paid off because now I can wear it and be a be a glory hunter for the uh, the Super Bowl winners twenty twenty two. I know a lot about NFL. I know I know all about it. Um, no, I tell, you know, I don't think I tell you. We're, we're so, this is where the absence of Gareth really does show itself. Like <laughs> I have at best minimal Did knowledge. You watch it? Like I'm. I, I didn't watch it. I haven't seen any of it at all. I was like completely like kind of knackered. So I haven't seen any oh, of it. The, the only thing I've seen isn't, yeah, but, well, yeah, the, you know, talk about this, the forbidden door of uh, American football was open when the owner of the XFL walks into the NFL, isn't it? It's very much <laughs> almost like when Paul Heyman turned up doing commentary with Jim Ross wearing an ECW hat. Um, <laughs> kind of feels like that, doesn't it? I haven't seen it. The only thing I've seen is uh, Snoop Dogg apparently had a spliff there. Um, for which, you know, I've also got news that water is wet, uh, <laughs> you know. If you if you need to know anything else there, anyone who's shocked or like I'd be shocked if he wasn't really mm. at this stage. He's pretty much nailed his colours to the mast on the He's subject at- of cannabis, and it's not legal in the stadium, but legal in the state. Like he, honestly, He's- to God. He's probably at that point where it's like 
my granddad when he was getting older and he'd smoked his entire life. I remember like the doctors being like, listen, mate, if you stop smoking now, it's probably going to kill you sooner. Just carry on. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know if that's true or that's just the thing they say for, for comfort's sake. But I think Snoop Dogg's like that. Like if he if he ever stopped, I just don't think he'd just fall apart, wouldn't he, as, as, as a human being? Um, he would. <laughs> but no, it was, it, to be honest, I like, obviously I can't tell you much about the uh, the game itself. I, I'd like to say I'm a Bengals fan. I like, like that it, that it, that um that series of hard knocks they had on HBO and um, the covered them when uh, when Ocho Cinco oh, was uh, yeah. the man before he got uh, extremely problematic. But that was a uh, that was a good season. I always feel like I've had that, uh, like a, a bit of a connection to them despite me hat. Um, but yeah, they, to be honest, like I, I I go through like pits and like stops and starts about getting into like the NFL like every now and then. I like I'll get I'll give it a go. But yeah, I think you've almost got to watch the Super Bowl. I think despite BBC's garbage cover- coverage of it. And this year, like um, Mike Carlson wasn't on it. I don't know what was going on there. Noted Wrestling Observer subscriber, uh, Mike Carlson. I don't know where we uh, what's happened to him or why he wasn't involved in uh, in the coverage this year. But yeah, had to be watched. And yeah, the fact that The Rock turned up was just hilarious. Like he turned up in like this fucking red cardigan with like maroon pants cut like the most generic 90s rock impression promo just running through his catchphrases the match the game started like five minutes late because they were waiting for the rock to get done they could see all like it's like it's just mad because it's like can you imagine the fa cup final like you know like united and city or something are, are in the oh. game and like you know what i mean like raheem Sterling's just standing there waiting for like the rock to finish his cat- i don't know what the, the uk equivalent would be um i don't know tyler bates jack whitehall um <laughs> jack whitehall <laughs> Maybe. Well, yeah. <laughs> to, to finish this speech. Yeah. And he was just going oh, it was it was weird, but yeah, people seem to um to enjoy to uh, like enjoy it. He seemed to uh, I don't know, pe- people who haven't seen that sticker a million times over the uh, the last few years of uh, don't seem as bothered as we are. No, they don't. I think there's there's a lot of mileage in it for him. He's one of the most famous men in the planet. Um it's mad that he's kind of delayed a Super Bowl, but I mean, I would like to mention what Liam mentions there in the chat, which is it was very nice of them to book a halftime show specifically for you right. on the basis of you buying that cap. Um, <laughs> I like to also think that Arsenal's transfer budget for a striker went on that fucking halftime show as well. So, you know. Where, where was it? Uh, I don't know. They didn't bring out two packs hologram, so, you know, I was still a little bit disappointed, but no, it was, it was, it was genuinely a great art. I mean, I know. I'm not even convinced he's dead at this point the amount of albums he released after he died somebody said that at this point like okay we can we can lay it to rest now Tupac's definitely dead because if he was going to come back for anything he might have come back for that but no it was uh, it was good like it was you know it was very it's one of them it's like it shows just like our generation is like I don't know like nostalgia for like for for stuff from like when we were young like the early 2000s because it was purely just even Eminem who's got hits like mm. current day hits he's like the biggest like selling artist of all time or whatever has the most YouTube viewers of, of all time like he's got loads of like songs you could have played from the last five years or so and instead he's playing Lose Yourself from like 2002 or whenever it came out Dre's doing Still Dre 50 cent looking you know a little bit bloated but fair enough it's 20 years later on he's doing uh, in the club and doing his little upside down spot that he definitely looked like he hadn't thought through uh, you know 20 years later doesn't quite have the lungs to uh, to pull that off um but yeah it was it was literally booked for me like it was fucking like it was awesome i absolutely loved it <laughs> i'll have to i'll have to watch Leo said in the chat. people talking <laughs> 50 cent look like you give Arsenal a solid five minutes up front coming off the ledge. 
<laughs> well, he he probably would have finished better than Lacazette against Wolves to make it 2-0. <laughs> Um, but then we might have been celebrating too hard, and that should be banned. And I think people have heard my thoughts on on like on on the current Arsenal discourse. That's mm. in the pre-show uh, mm. for that one as well. But yeah, it sounds like a fucking giggle. Mm. Um, and it was a close game, which is always the main thing. Like when I speak to my sister who lives out there, she's just like, I mean, she she watches it, but like it's and that the whole kind of experience. And she's been to a couple of like few Super Bowl parties of neighbours and stuff, but I think she's just at the point where she's like, I just can't be asked to be honest. Mm. I'd seen her watch Tottenham lose to Wolves, and she did a lot of Wolves talk tonight. Again, a lot more talk than they should not should be doing. But it's it, it 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 like she was saying like as long as it's not a blowout. And at least it's somewhat competitive that the uh, that the game itself was all right. But yeah, halftime was there. A load of film trailers as well. Load yeah, of it. The Rock had his, was in it. Yeah, I saw it. Like, like I was talking to him about, about this before. It's like, apparently Vince Vince doesn't see the value in having proper Super Bowl ads anymore. But the way the way WWE ads in there, weren't they? Like, I think they, mm. they snuck, I think NBC maybe snuck them in or something. But yeah, that was a news story that came out this week that Vince McMahon doesn't see the value in a uh, in advertising during the Super Bowl anymore. But then again, Vince McMahon also apparently thinks current main roster WWE is good, um, which again is a legitimate story that came out this week. So I don't know much uh, credence you can give that, but. Why do AW need to like to jump in Super Bowl halftime? Do a halftime heat type thing, you know? Halftime, halftime rampage, some kind of empty arena match or something like that. Feels like that'd be right up Tony Street. I would, I would just say a promo. I mean, Jay Cargill said this, and she goes like, "They should have done a halftime advert featuring her." And you kind of think, "Yeah, you should have done actually." Mm-hmm. There's only there's a few people you put on there from from AW. Even if they just put like an advert of all the the best various bits of action they've got and, and stuff like that, mm-hmm. that. Like she, it's someone you'd want on there just because she is so striking in how she looks and how much like she could kind of bring herself across. But the idea of Vince McMahon thinking that the biggest television event of the year, where the adverts are like a featured part of the show, and pe- people will only watch advertising and go out of their way to kind of concentrate on advertising that particular time, mm. he's like, "Now nah, we don't need to bother." It's the concept of like, I, I just don't think he wants to spend the money and stuff. And like, I also think as well, their advert would be compared like the people who will grade adverts and things like that, and they'll produce something shit, won't they? Like those adverts you see on the pay per views where they're at a restaurant and then Baron Corbin asks for a table by himself. It's fucking awful. Mm. Yeah, it's weird. Like you know, everyone under the sun is getting ads in. Like even was it the Chrysler <laughs> car advert that had um, the Sopranos reunion in it with a uh, with Meadow and a uh, and and a. Uh, Anthony Junior, uh, meeting up and AJ. Yeah, yeah, meet, meeting up. Um, Jordan, I think it was like, like it, it was like she, she's like driving along and they're doing like the whole Sopranos intro and then it like zooms out and she's driving like this new Chrysler car. So it's like it's the, like uh... apparently there was a lot of that. And this is the thing about watching the BBC things. It's like I always I always forget every year that like. I need to, next year I'm going to go out my way to find an illegal stream because the adverts are way more interesting than the actual game because apparently there were loads of adverts for crypto, loads of adverts for like NFTs, oh. and apparently like even Larry David was getting them in the action apparently like selling some kind of cryptocurrency or something like that. That's what you're watching it for, really. You're not for a bunch of boring bastards in a, in a studio on the BBC. Yeah, they're, they're, 
<laughs> You're being brutal on the BBC coverage. I mean, they're not allowed. You to, know how I feel about the BBC. Yeah, <laughs> I know, and, I, and I'm and I'm like 180 degrees from you in this conversation as well. We won't have that argument today. Um, they're not allowed to have ad- anyway. But um, but yeah, you're right. Like yeah, you'd like to see the adverts kind of being that big part of it. I mean, it always seems very weird. Like I did see someone like kind of make comments. It's kind of strange seeing like the cast of the wire in like a Hershey's advert. Like you oh, kind of would expect one. someone like oh. oh no, it's, I've made it up off the oh, top of my God. head. But like <laughs> if Omar but if Omar walked into a convenience store and it turns out to be an advert for fucking Pepsi, like you wouldn't be exactly <laughs> too amazed, would you, at that point? I would <laughs> You know. I'd love to see it. I'd be well up for that kind of stuff. Mm. Well, there you go. So yeah, there's a you know, there's, there's there's room in the market there. I think for uh, for AEW to uh, to push in and you know get some uh, get some brand awareness out there. Maybe uh, maybe next year. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to say, speaking of ads, GP, we should uh, probably plug some of our own stuff. Obviously, mm. uh, Gareth Gareth's not here today, but uh, we did. Uh, we were busy last night on the Patreon side uh, with Gareth uh, talking uh, our latest mixtape episode. It seems like it's uh, it's been pretty well received so far. Oh, it was great fun. We did um, The Art of the Squash, or a squash matches mixtape. So going through loads of squash matches with the usual suspects here, Sid, your Vader, um, the Steiners, um, you know, all pretty much who would be on that squash match, uh, Mount Rushmore, really, between them for the disregard they have for other small all the normal looking human beings. But um um but that that was great. Um obviously until I mean I had it was on the Patreon, but then we put on the free feed the stardom kind of primer show with uh, Karen Peterson of Post Wrestling, which was really great and really fun to record. We did our, our um with some great choice in there, including Firepower, the Ultimate Warriors film we watched the trailer for in the pre-show and by Christ, if that wins, that's going to be like kind of savage. But possibly it's up there against Kevin Nash's COVID nineteen invasion film, in which time he better fucking have more of a role in it. Like I would say <laughs> that. So got that daily updates, all of that stuff at patreon.com forward slash grapple. There you go. Yeah. So yeah, the poll for that will be uh, up um, later on for uh, for patrons. And yeah, you know we're going to do a, a bit of a catch up. We've got a few different uh, ideas. We were saying in the pre-show, different stuff we're going to do. Uh, a Nitro mm. Month One um, review that we've been teasing for a while. Uh, a five to one with Matty might do our uh, might be a WrestleMania X Seven review uh, coming up with Matty in a, in a couple of months or so as well. Mm. Trying to uh, trying to plan long term. A few uh, different ideas, including some. Uh, extra stuff we might throw at the end of uh, some upcoming weekend shows as well but no I did really really enjoy that uh, that mixtape episode like that was born out of like you know we were just scrambling for you know an idea we could we could do this weekend with you know me coming back from COVID and missing last week's show and it was like we need we need to come back with a good one and like it just kind of happened and it was just like oh what if we do Sid squashes oh hang on what if we do Vader squashes hang on what if we just look at squashes in general and fuck me was it fun like it was like it was the easiest. Like, if anyone hasn't seen the playlist, the playlist is publicly available on the on the Grapple YouTube and on the uh, on the Patreon for uh, for anyone to view. And it was just like, like you said, then a who's who: Vader, Sid, you know, the uh, Samoan SWAT team, Road Warriors, Steiners, and ev- and the beauty of it was, as you said, every match is like a minute and thirty seconds. So you know, you could watch it while you had the, yeah. the kettle boiled, while you're having a piss, while you're doing other. <laughs> the possible things you know there was uh really? it, it was an easy yeah. one to uh to get yourself ready for and to go through but fuck me was it it was a fun one to do 
Oh, it's great fun as well. Can I say as well that the Goldberg squash against La Parker is really great fun, and the reaction of the crowd to that is something else. You just don't see it these days in in wrestling really at all. And Yokozuna, where you play the game of does does old Rodders like the person who's going to deliver the banzai drop on? And if he decides that he's going to do it with his legs completely kind of as split open as he as he can get them, then you are fucked as yeah. he lands on your chest. Absolutely brutal. Or possibly your head. You've got no choice in the matter um, it, when it comes to that. Yeah, that was that was fun to go back and watch as well. But yeah, I think my, my Biden thing from it was just, I want to see more Sid and Vader as a tag team. I want to see more Masters as well. <laughs> I think we'll have to... Is it Beach Blast 93 with the uh, the famous promo where they're walking along the beach and uh, they come face-to-face with, is it Bulldog and, uh, and Sting? And Sting. I think, I think that's going to have to be the ultimate payoff to us. Uh, the White Castle of Fear. Is that that? Is that is that all the same thing? Oh right, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, mm. I'm sure it is. At the mm. time, it's a weird that Davy Boy Smith run in WCW is wild, isn't it? Really, that'd be a good mixtape. Davy Boy in WCW or a deep cut. Yeah, well, we'd end up getting into Shockmaster territory as well because he's <laughs> there, isn't he? Jesus, he's fell on his ass, isn't it? Or something along those lines, as, as Davy shouts out. <laughs> There you go. In his Mancunian slash Leeds slash Sheffield accent <laughs> slash Wigan, <laughs> who's gonna win the Royal Rumble? He's uh, he's a he's a quotable man. His, uh, his <laughs> so there you go. There's some more constant content um, set up for the uh, the, the coming months and uh, a week. So yeah, you can get a uh, get all that at uh, patreon.com slash grapple. And yeah, just one last thing. The plugs don't stop there. Just to to mention as mm. well, um, our live show in Leeds is uh, is still coming up um, yes. on WrestleMania Day. Anyone who listened to um, British Wrestling Experience this week will have heard the news. Obviously, with uh, Graps and uh, and Claps um, ceasing uh, production as a podcast, um, they won't be uh, joining us as uh, as part of the uh, the live show. The uh, the Ogden Boys, but we will uh, have a, a suitable replacement um, in one. Davy Portman uh, from up next. We're uh, we're bringing hey. in the imports here, JP. I don't know if he counts as an import. He's like a it's like Zack Sabre Junior or Will Osprey coming back to uh, to Red Pro, and it? it's like you know a brick come home. Um, yeah, yeah, we managed to uh, to time it well while uh, while Davy's in the country. So like getting uh, getting Davy involved to do uh, an up next show, and you know obviously you know we'll mm. bit, there's a bit of crossover there with the uh, the up next audience. You know the likes of uh, Chris Elliott and uh, and our man Neil and uh, a few others from that uh, community we were yep. expecting to be about on the day as well. Um, yeah, I think that that's perfect. That so yeah, as well as seeing us, you can come down and uh, and see Davy's handsome face uh, and watch WrestleMania with uh, with hopefully Davy with us too at the uh, oh, yeah. party afterwards. That's going to be wild. Actually, I'm looking forward to watching Mania with Davy because, like, I'm kind of used to seeing like some of the watch-alongs and stuff they do on Up Next as well. No, it's 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 great news and it's 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 fantastic to to have him have him there as well. That's the Northern Monk Brewery. Um, which serves good beer. No, we're going to stress that as well. Good beer at this location, yes. Things involving wrestling and good beer aren't often said in the same sentence, but I think we can say that with with Northern Monk this time round. But yeah, um, yeah, that's Sunday, April third. So April third, it is, isn't it? Um, my God, it's going to come around soon enough as well. So yeah, uh, get your tickets for that at uh, is it grapp- grapple 
Yeah, grapplap.com slash support. Um, it's kind of your good. Um, That's it. First, first port of call for uh, for anything uh, like this. And yeah, there's links there to the uh, the live podcast uh, show, which uh, is taking place in the mm-hmm. afternoon uh, with with ourselves, uh, with British Wrestling Experience, i.e. Martin, um, and up next, i.e. Uh, Davy. So you get three uh, three podcasts for the uh, the price of one there at the uh, at the low low price of uh, of uh, seven pound fifty. I think yeah, seven pound fifty. That's right. <laughs> and then, and you uh, get a reduction on the hooked on wrestling ticket. As well, you do, yes, and we have a, a 10% discount code of a, a grapple for, uh, for hooked on wrestling uh, in the night. If you fancy, you know, a lot, I think some people might be coming up to Leeds and just coming to the live show and, uh, and getting the last back train back, as uh, as Martin has said. But you know, if you're going to come, I reckon make a night of it and come watch uh, come watch WrestleMania yeah. with us at uh, a hooked on in the, in the evening as well. And uh, yeah, look, stay stay tuned for some uh, announcements to do with that, that hooked on party as well. So there's uh, plenty coming, um, but yeah, get your uh, get your tickets now before they're all gone. Uh, but yeah, is that it with all the plugs, JP? We've done it. Is there anything Gareth would want us to mention? Download the app. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's a for grapple. Gareth That's what needs to know. Yeah. Uh, well, on that note, we should get into uh, the the week's uh, wrestling, <clears> and yeah, it's a it's a me and JP show, so we got a got a bit. Of, it's funny this JP. We always like we do the weekend show on a Friday, and we always pr- we mm. endlessly preview these TV shows, and then never fucking watch the things, or or even if we watch them, we never get round to reviewing them on Spotlight. So maybe we can, uh, you know, between us, we've seen a, a bit of a, a combination of uh, of different TV over over the weekend um, that we can maybe uh, get into on this show, but it might be an old school spot like this might be a might be might even get in beneath the uh, the two hour limb but we'll uh we'll see how we get on but uh of, of the uh, of the tv we got to talk about do you want to do you want to start with it some aew so we uh should we chat about that? yeah unless you've got some big oh, you... smackdown thoughts or, or nxt thoughts from last week jp no you've just reminded me that i do need to do raw results tomorrow morning on the daily update which i mean i i don't even think i started writing out raw anymore i think it's raw it's R star W. Don't know. Start with AEW. That's where that's where the shit's happening. And my God, it happened this week, didn't it? Yeah. Well, you know, we did the weekend show on Friday and reacted uh, for our patrons to the, uh, you know, the initial uh, results and uh, initial uh, ratings. But at that point, you hadn't uh, you hadn't even uh, seen the uh, the full show. And you know, obviously, this mm. was a this was a dynamite that's uh, been pretty pretty highly regarded across the board. Did uh, particularly well um, in, in the viewership numbers as we uh, we talked about there in the in the one point one range uh, overall and a, a really really healthy demo number as well. Um, and we were saying on, on you know on Friday, JP just. You know, you like to see it when it's a show as strong as this one. You know, you want the most people possible. You know, watching the show, you don't want it to be one of those dull dynamites. Or you know, how many times has that happened where it's been a killer show, and it's and it's the one that did like eight hundred thousand viewers. You know, during that West Coast yeah. era, or you know, at various other points as well. Like this week for me felt like you know, every, or everything aligned. I think we were all disappointed by you know the punk mjf show not doing the uh the strongest uh viewership but you know that was a very much a show of two halves as well you know first half of the show was there was some absolute rotten garbage to be honest on that show and we were very negative in talking about it on uh, on spotlight last week as much as we mm. loved you know punk mjf as a as an overall match but this one i'd say top to bottom like you know i still haven't 100 decided if it was me my favorite dynamite of all time but for me absolutely up there you know it had a roar after wrestlemania kind of feel you know big debuts great matches kind of out of nowhere that you might not have expected either to take place in the first place or to be as good as they were you know 
as far as main events go. I mean, yeah, you watch this one, JP, with maybe it, uh, it spoiled a bit with you doing the uh, the Friday morning update, and obviously you'd seen all the uh, the high praise this had gotten, and we talked a little bit about it on, on the weekend show. I mean, did it live up to your uh, expectations when you finally got to see it? Yeah, it did. I think the way that I felt about it is, like, you view it in the context of a two-hour wrestling TV show, and it delivered. It really, like, for me, it, it delivered in so many ways. You had two matches which were which were very good in there, including like a main event that was much better than it had any right to be. You had um, like debut of Keith Lee as well in there. There was always a kind of motion, so even the short matches didn't like kind of hang around too much generally. And, you know, we forget this, that shows need that kind of little bit of downtime on there as well. You had like the angle at the beginning to kind of set up the, the show at the same time. So it felt like one of the one of my major criticisms and major criticism from last week was kind of the structure of the show and the layout of the show. And it felt like they got it right this week it felt like they kind of hit that they kind of got it to the point where nothing overstayed its welcome it felt like there was like a a kind of a good build and good momentum throughout the show and it was kind of borne out in the ratings really which never kind of ended up dropping and it maintained like a large swathe of the audience from the big lead and they have the the bit with um big bang theory so i i think overall like it I don't know if I'd say it's the best one because I'm probably looking for things on other shows that have been perhaps more like kind of impactful Mm. Um, as much as anything else that may well have taken me a bit more by surprise. And I think this show really ended up um, like kind of delivering for me. So so when, when you watch it and you see like a main event as well like that, I think you can't you, you're always going to think sort of like perhaps a bit more favorably of other stuff but it felt like it was just everything was well spaced out that match wasn't too close to the to the tag match in the middle so you had these kind of two big tent pole matches in there yeah it was a hell of a lot of fun hmm. well, i think that the, the highest compliment i can give a show like this is you know even you know the inner circle team meeting parlay extravaganza segment was good you know, and when even your Jericho segment uh, is a segment that I enjoy, you know, you've got a good show on your hands. Uh, I'll have some negatives to say about uh, Rampage with regards uh, that particular person, but like even that delivered on this show, like you know, Santana. Yeah. Like, I don't know if you managed to see his uh, his Warrior Wrestling. Oh yeah. I'll ask you oh no, I... as well. Oh no, you seen I it. heard it was good. The match from Warrior Wrestling against Speedball Mike Bailey. I haven't seen it yet. I do want to see it. It feels like, and I think we said it a while ago, it just feels like something with him is like a kind of a singles run. Feels like it's kind of there. By Christ, he brings the... Yeah, it's coming, and he brings the fucking intensity, doesn't he? When he when he was cutting that promo on, on Jared, like, he was just incredible, you know, on this show. And, like, you know, down to, like... I didn't really believe that, uh, that Jericho, you know, knew the names of Homicide and Hernandez, but even, it like, him bringing that up and having, you know... Santana like go for his throat like it was so believable it was like you were like it felt like he was shooting it felt like it was like okay yeah they probably have been frustrated like being you know the only the only feuds they've really been in in um in, in, in AEW history has been on behalf of Jericho I think that's a shoot like that you know they yeah. don't really add much to, to sink their teeth in as a tag team unless it's like some kind of 10-man tag with the pinnacle or you know some stadium stampede bollocks or whatever and you know there's, there's some positives to that you get that rubber being in the uh, the big stable but 
you know, their frustrations, they were just saying things that, I mean, Santana was just saying things we all think um, about what's happened with mm-hmm. Santana and Ortiz in the company. I'm a bit, bit, uh, bit on the wise as to kind of where we're headed with it, obviously with the uh, the tag coming up um, this week on Dynamite. So I'm wondering, you know, where exactly that's all going to go. But I thought it was an all-timer performance from Santana. Like he, if anything, you know, carried the segment and came across as like this potential big star babyface that you've got right there if you, if you ever did want to do a singles run with him. Yeah, did. It's somewhat of a trade-off. You put them in this group in order to get themselves kind of better known, which has happened, you know, and you're talking about the fact that they've headlined pay-per-views. Yeah, obviously, they've not had that big run in the tag division, that big feud. But now it feels if they do have it, it's really going to be worth it and the crowd are going to be with them. And we forget that, like, as LAX... How many really fucking cracking matches did they have? Particularly that CCK match for Manchester, the Euro at Benno for Progress, mm. <laughs> which, we, which we always like to five stars. Always like to bring. Five stars indeed, but no, but like always really good. In this, like the promo ability has been kind of it, it's been there, but it's been kind of coming. It, it's the way that Santana carries himself now. Mm. He carries himself like as a guy and he's like he's compelling on the mic and the fact that Ortiz has gone from like really what felt like kind of like the comedy act like within kind of inner circle as well just being ultra serious looking like killer like really shredded as well like it feels it feels like it's the right time to really do something with them in some some ways you hope that they have the run on top of the tag division that the Lucha Brothers should have had yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, as like I say, like, you know, it's. I mean, when Gun Club are your number one contenders for your tag title, I know it was just a throwaway rampage defense, but it just makes you think, God, you know, there are some tag teams that are underutilized in this company, and they're top of that list. Um, you know, I've heard it speculated is, you know, Jericho moving into more of a tag role, maybe as he's, you know, getting older or whatever, or, you know, maybe him and Swagger is going to be a, a longer term thing, or, you know, Carl says here in the chat, maybe we're building towards a Santana. Jericho singles match at the, the pay-per-view, you know, that's what, I mean, it's hard not to come away with uh, maybe a little bit of, you know, that thought, yeah. um, considering, um, you know, how good Santana was in the segment, but it's got to be said, it's, it's better for everyone in Inner Circle if they do go the separate ways, like Sammy getting out of the way at the start was like, I mean, that lad doesn't look like a member of that stable in about six months, you know, he puts the vest on, but, you know, other than that, he's off with his, you know, he's got his real mates, hasn't he? He's got Fuego and, you know, that little universe and, there's a little Darby Allen feud going on and stuff like you know he needs to yeah he needs to get away from all of this and you know be all you know kind of uh, you know made it clear um, you know in interviews you know Steph did a bit interview with uh, Santana and Ortiz recently where they were basically like politely going yeah we kind of thought the inner circle should be over by now as well um, you know, I think there's a uh, there's been a lot of uh, kind of that talk so no it's good to see that moving somewhere and yeah you know a, a segment that I expected to bomb on this show was particularly strong. Yeah, it did. And it had that little bit of extra edge to it with Santana. It didn't feel like a Jericho droning on sort of segment as well. And I think Jericho benefits from that because having someone who just isn't going to listen like at that point in time, but it's the inner circle in and of itself will have served its purpose. If Sammy Guevara is over and he is, you know, not at that top, top guy level, but certainly like he, he has been elevated from not really like, you know, in the very first bin in the first opening match, but not someone who you thought they're going to, you know, is going to turn out the way that perhaps he, he has done. 
and you know Santana and Ortiz look like they're going to have like kind of a meaningful push and run and I can see that being a, a general success especially when you get Eddie Kingston thrown in there as well I think then at that point there's like kind of like a, a real kind of like edge to them and I wonder in some ways can you get Moxley involved then at that point as well you know there are interesting directions that you can go with them there the only one and I wonder whether or not if his contract came up they just end up letting it expire is like Jack Swagger because it doesn't feel like there's any real need for him and you know as much as we we're not like high on him as a wrestler he served his purpose frankly within the, within the inner circle in order to make it work they needed a a credible sort of challengers to the elite and they did that and they were a lot more fun at times than what I expected them to be and you know, I think it's just the point where the cycle of it is clearly run and this being like the kind of the breakup rather than the kind of proper big breakup where there's like feuds that come out of it. Yeah. I was I was more than happy with this. Yeah. So yeah, I thought that was a strong point on the show. I thought the uh, the punk MJF you know stuff on the show was uh, a lot of fun as well. Um you know the opening segment with you know Wardlow coming out with the uh, the cardboard cutouts and you know all of that stuff with you know it was quite funny the uh, the MJF promo and then you know they had their uh, Punk come out and you know Punk uh, who uh, the, you know MJF's been uh, giving him grief about having no friends brings out uh, Sting and, and Darby as his backup. The only thing I didn't like about this segment it was like it was like it was very Tony Khan booking to be like we've already got two debuts on this show let's throw in a third tease uh, you know because it kind of led to a lot of spe- like you know people like myself speculating um uh, you know. Recently announced Ring of Honor Hall of Famer Samoa Joe was gonna come in and tease with Punk like Punk was outright on Twitter talking about it like it was a like it was a possibility. Um, obviously, it all worked uh, walked it worked out in the end because we got uh, we got Moxley uh, teaming with Punk, which is uh, I suppose a little bit of a, a sidestep for Moxley away from this uh, Danielson trying to be his his tag team partner stuff to him to him being willing to to team with Punk. But I think you know I was a little bit confused on what exactly the stipulation was. You know. Was Punk getting a match with Wardlow? Was there an FTR stipulation in there somewhere? It felt like maybe the lines got a little bit confused in the uh, in the promo segment part of things, which can happen, you know, when it's unscripted and it's mm. kind of you know guys uh, kind of going. A lot of moving pieces, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, and that can happen. I, you know, I think that's as, as great as Punk is as a promo. You know, sometimes he does. You know, he will muddle his words up a little bit, and I was a little bit lost on that. But you know, maybe my disappointment that it wasn't Samoa Joe was. Uh, as Punk's partner or uh, Chris Hero or, or someone from his past, you know, have a Moxley come out and uh, and team with him turned out to be inspired because this tag team match with uh, with him Moxley against FTR, like, I, not exaggerating, I feel like I enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed Punk and MJF last week. I haven't I haven't seen it a second time. I feel like maybe I need to give it a a second watch before I. You know, I was I was thinking four and a half on the grapple app. That's how that's how much I enjoyed this thing. Uh, maybe four point two five is a little bit more more reasons, but I was coming out of this just pumped. Like it was such a, it was the tag match that FTR pretend they have. It was the tag match that like because FTR's yeah. whole act like it's all a fucking gimmick. You know, we're this old school proper tag team. Like they're not. That's their gimmick. They're cosplaying as that, and I think that's what I've learned about them in, in AEW these last couple of years when they've had these, you know, some some atrocious matches. You know, the ones with Lucha Brothers where they just abandoned all logic and you know apparently their this style that they're uh, they're all 
you know, they all feel strongly about and whatever and just, you know, all of those all of those morals and ethics about what tag team wrestling are go out the window when Pentagon and Phoenix just decide they don't want to tag anymore. Um, you know, there's a they're all talk, I feel like FTR sometimes, and I think they're almost all hype at times. But this was the match where it's like, okay, this is what this team should be, because it felt like just an old school get the heat, perfect tag match against two massively over baby faces like I know I said I love Punk MJF on last week's show, but this felt like almost the most I've enjoyed a match on Dynamite since the you know the tag when Sting teamed up with um, when Punk teamed up with Sting in Derby, you know and they did that six man um, with with FTR and the lads like that. There's a chemistry here and it's it's shown mm. big time and for a match that wasn't billed, wasn't advertised, just came as a nice surprise in the uh, in the second half of the show, like it was. Segments I've enjoyed, I enjoyed as much as anything I've enjoyed on Dynamite the uh, the last while. Yeah, I mean, do you know what? I, I went three point seven five, and I was like, as soon no, as I put it in, I was like, no. <laughs> yeah, it's like like a four. A four really, it's a, like I thought four stars because mm. as a tag team television match with like a good bit of star power, and also in Moxley and Punk, two wrestlers who understand that kind of tag team work because they themselves would have trained within the WWE system where that stuff would have been like kind of heavily kind of like imported onto them. So it felt like they were having a ton of fun doing that type of match as well. And the big spots really like kind of worked. Um, I thought like the, the doomsday device, for example, like, you know, sort of has that so idea Gareth, of, I bet you Gareth loved that because Punk was selling his leg the whole match and like he hit that yeah. Doomsday device and I was like oh that looked a bit sloppy and then I watched the replay and he was fucking selling his leg when he was doing the Doomsday I was like ah, oh, what a man what a man yeah it, 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 it's even like the like when it was like the, the GTS getting counted into the into the big rig as well and then you, at that point you've sort of like it follows that classical kind of what we think of as really like a southern tag match formula don't we you know you get the heat on the but it's like a universal kind of format as much as anything else and it was lovely to watch it's just like a really nice I just thought kind of easy, fun watch um, where you're watching kind of stars look like stars and working with a tag team that understands how to get the most out of them as well. And I, I just thought that the way it was structured and put together was great. And, you know, them going for like the the kind of um, stereo um, uh, GTS and paradigm shifts as well. It's like that kind of little, it's like the little exclamation point on the match as well as much as anything. But yeah, I really, yeah, really enjoyed this. I, I mean, I'll upgrade my rating to a, to a four on this one because it's like it, we talk about the kind of tag matches that that we love. Like it, it this is what they feel like. Well, I was going to say, I mean, you can kind of split the difference because if I'm settling on 4.25, you know, in the in the cold light of day, you're going 3.75. It's 3.92 on the app, you know, so it's pretty much right there in the middle. Mm. Pretty much a, a four-star rating or, you know, just below there as far as an average and just scrolling through, like, the uh, the ratings there. You know, there's a lot of 3.75s, a lot of 4s, a lot of 4.25s. It's kind of, you know, one of those where there's a, a bit of a broad spectrum, but, you know, all in all, um, people... I've, uh, I've absolutely uh, loved the thing and yeah count me on the uh, the high end of that um, it was absolutely awesome and yeah you know it was a show it's not it's not short on talking points because I thought that was great I mean I suppose asking now what did you think of the two debuts like you know now that you've seen them Keith Lee and, and, and Jay White I think there's uh, there's a stark difference in these two debuts uh, yeah. we'll start with the uh, 
the positive because I don't want to be too negative when uh, I absolutely love this show. But Keith Lee's debut, I thought, was you know pitch perfect. I think you know, mm-hmm. I hope we bought Isaiah Cassidy a pint um, because you know that lad went out there with every intention to to just do his job. You know, to to put put over the incumbent Keith Lee and bump all over for him, and you know the the Beal spot that uh, you know has been circulating all over on the uh, the internet this last week has been the Uncle Phil Beal, as he's going to be calling it from Phil now Beale. on. There you go. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Um, you know, that was great, but all in all, like he was just bumping like a madman for Keith Lee, and you know, it is a bit weird. I've I've definitely seen. You know, there's been a you know from no less notable people and. You know, Dave Meltzer and, and Wade Keller, both separately on their own audio shows, have been going at Keith Lee a little bit for saying he was a bit out of shape in this match and a and a bit on the big side. I mean I can kind of accept that having watched the clips back since. But I didn't really think it at the time. Like watching it, I was just into it. You know, Keith Lee was I mean, he's always been big, so I didn't really think much of it. I just thought, yeah, he's a, you know, he's a big lad. He's got he's in there to be a big lad. That's surely what stands out from the crowd in, in Dynamite. You know, on AEW, where pretty much everyone up and down the roster has got the, the same build, you know? Like, there really isn't anybody like Keith Lee, uh, at least on the active roster. So I didn't really see that as a negative. And, you know, if maybe he was doing more power spots than he was doing flying spots, that's fine with me as well. I did say to you on Friday, I did think maybe... There was a point after the match when he was beating them both up that he kind of leaned on the apron and it looked like he was a little bit gassed. But I did half kind of think, oh, maybe he's tired or maybe it's the COVID, you know, considering he did, you know, uh, have COVID and suffer with it quite badly in uh, in the not too recent past. But, you know, I, I find it hard to focus on those things because they did so many things right with this debut and he came across like one of the biggest stars in the world. Yeah, You know, the crowd were chanting his old indie chants, you know, the basking his glory stuff. And the, it felt like, you know, indie Keithley or at least early NXT Keithley, like... I don't think they could have got it more right, and I don't think he could have come could have come across as a bigger star in this thing. I thought it was just tremendous. I couldn't see what if if people, why people have problems with it. It's like this is how you want to debut Keith Lee. You want to have him come in and effectively squash someone. To go back to our previous conversation, um, it is it uh, like that. It's those kind of moments, and that Beal is going to be something that is repeated again and again. Expect to see it in the opening of Dynamite or Rampage in the very near future. Um, the idea of like people talking about like Keith Lee's size, I always thought like the kind of brilliance of him is right. If he was like five foot ten, then like you know there wouldn't be any kind of mystique. The idea is that he's so, he's very tall having stood next to him and he's massive, but he does these incredible, like kind of agile things where he moves really gracefully. There's like that inherent contradiction at the center of him. And that's the appeal. And the fact that he's, he's not a ranter and a raver when it comes to Mike's skills, that, but he can deliver a promo. You know, he has like clear charisma, but it's more done in a kind of like in a like not a slightly understated way. In other words, when he speaks, then it kind of matters. He has that kind of vibe to him. And he showed off all his all his power moves. I'll still find it weird ultimately he's going to be taking part in a ladder match, really. Whereas I think, does he need to be in that for the time being? He could have just come out and had a match. He didn't need to be. He could have had him in a number of matches at the pay-per-view. I'm just happy he's there because, like, 
if it doesn't work here, if you think of all the places he's been to where he's never really had that kind of like that singles push that we've always thought he deserves for this period of time, then I don't know what to say because as far as I was concerned, like the guy looks like a star mm. and that crowd they don't give a shit how his torso looks. And like you say, if everyone is built and muscly, then no one looks special. So people like wrestling has always been about that kind of difference and uniqueness and what makes you stand out from people. You know, there was a whole Johnny Ace era of people who were completely nondescript giants who were like ripped to fuck. And they didn't mean anything, but Keith Lee can wrestle and he can do stuff that a guy for his size doesn't, he doesn't feel has any right to do. And he did it all in this match. So I kind of like, this is what I wanted of a debut of Keith Lee. And the crowd loved him as well. And it's it's only going to get better. What I kind of want to see them do is probably get more of a shift on with him. Hmm. Not like have him, like you don't need him killing people for too long. You want to have him have a clear focus and a goal. Because hmm. then I think at that point, then you're going to get some stuff out of Keith Lee. That's, I'm, I'm kind of thinking... Having, having just done that mixtape playlist now, I'm like, <laughs> I just want to see Keith Lee squash jobbers for like the next <laughs> two months, you know? Like, I think I'm all right with that. Well, if you're talking like kind of a month to two months, I don't I don't think that's necessarily as bad. Um, although, like, I'm just kind of more thinking where they have had people come in and not really do anything in terms of a meaningful title pitch away for like kind of what feels like six months to a year at times. Yeah. And I think, and I think sometimes you just think you do need to get a shift on, like yeah. Malachi Black. Since the Cody stuff, like I know he's in the tag team and other things like that, but there's a fair bit of like kind of in spinning less, your heels in a less stacked promotion, like Malachi Black. Yeah. Is like you know, second from top, hottest act in the promotion. And I get what you mean. He kind of got lost in the struffle. Like Andrade got lost in the shuffle before him. Like you know, where's Kyle O'Reilly? Like you know, there's been a you know, I don't like him, but where's Jay, where's Jay Lethal? You know, what happened to Pack? Yeah, there's a lot of guys like that who should be, you know, you know, be protected more than than that they have been, maybe, or you know, a bigger deal than they have been. Although one thing I suppose I'll say for Keith Lee is, you know, the fact that they've immediately, I don't love throwing him in a ladder match right away, but the fact that they have put him in that match probably means he's going over. Probably means mm-hmm. he's, you know, maybe getting a title shot sooner rather than later. So. Yeah, let's hope he's not like a Mercedes Martinez who, you know, it felt like, you know, Tony signed her and then six weeks later, it's like, oh, fuck, yeah, remember when we signed her? Like <laughs> like all of us have done in our EWR oh. games before, you know, brought someone in because it looked like, a, oh, that'll bring that, I'll bring another free agent and oh, yeah, that they'd be great. And then you just, you just, they're sat on the bench and you don't actually, you know, actually have a use for them. Um, there have been a yes. lot of those uh, toys in recent weeks. But <laughs> I think they'll recognise what they've got with Keith Lee. And I think it's, a, it's an easy win as well because, Everyone knows where WWE went wrong with Keith Lee. You know, you can say what you want about him. You know, maybe he could do to lose a couple of pounds. Maybe it would, you know, not not much, but maybe, you know, a couple of pounds might help him, you know, just you know, from a health point of view and mean, you know, some of his high spots can, uh, can come off uh, a little bit better. But, you know, the thing we all saw what WWE got wrong with him, you know, they didn't understand what mm. Keith Lee was. And, you know, they literally tried to wrap him up in bubble wrap and tried to, you know, cover up the fact that he was a big lad and, you know, gave him the Bearcat gimmick and, you know, took everything away from him that pretty much made him cool down to the music, you know. And I think, you know, all AW really need to do, as was, you know, saw on this dynamite was just send him out there and let him be Keith Lee and you know I know he's in his late 30s but he could genuinely be a difference making 
top level star you know aw gets a lot of criticism for you know not really featuring you know people of color at the at the top of the card you know that's the that's the talking point you constantly get you know keith lee you know is is that guy who could you know there's no excuses there really he's a red yeah. top line main event act um who should be you know the top of cards and i think i think he's gonna be i think they're gonna get him right and you know it's not that hard to not make the same mistakes as wwe is it I, I'd have the exact. I mean, I'd have the confidence to send him out, like kind of doing PR stuff, mm. because I think he carries himself in a way that's very different to kind of a lot of wrestlers, and he he sounds and acts for them like a like a human being a lot of the times. He doesn't act like some sort of cliche of a monster. Um, it's very yeah. You can see like WWE just didn't understand him at all, and they are more interested in the kind of just the aesthetics. But it's the worst kind of thing where it's like actually no, you've got a real, you've got a talent here, and you're completely like misusing them. And and you go back to the segment with him and Brock in the Rumble, and you just think there's your potential. Like, a crowd wanted to see that. They were genuinely intrigued to see that, and your reaction is to go completely the opposite way and go, yeah, well, we're never going to do that. So like, I, I think here there's, there's so much potential, so much potential for kind of great matches and, and kind of relatively unique combinations. I wonder as well, if new Japan opens up, like that's what I wonder about a lot of these guys. Have they got in their contracts of like, look, I would like to do a Japan tour, which if people are going to end up being away for pe- periods of time, because Keith Lee would go down an absolute fucking storm in Japan. Like, and, and you know, we saw the matches against, I saw the matches against Ishii. I mean, particularly the first one, Jesus Christ. Like it, it's really there. I just sort of hope that there's no, re- I, I just don't think there's much reason to kind of wait around with this. I'm not yeah. saying like you put the belt on him tomorrow and end Hangman Page's reign, but I think well, you, you do need to kind of go with it. No, I well, maybe. I see what you're saying, and yeah, you know, like I say, he's not getting—he's not like he's the oldest man in the room, you know. Uh, He's—I think he's my age, but like you know, he's, God, he's, you know, he's in his late thirties, and you know, you you do want to get moving with a with a guy like that, and um, you know, wrestling prime, really. Yeah, and uh, to be honest, all I want to see is you know, I want to pretend this WWE run didn't happen. I want you know the Keith Lee, mm-hmm. who obviously now you know I'm glad it didn't happen, but who along with Matt Riddle. They were the two guys when AEW first started, and Shane Strickland, I suppose, to a lesser extent, where it was like, fuck me, why have you took a WWE contract when AEW's just launching it? It'd be so perfect for you to be in a more indie-ish type of company. You know, we've got that now. You know, same with you know with an, with an Adam Cole. You know, let's uh, let's push let's push on, let's push forward, let's pretend the uh, the WWE run didn't happen and we'll go forward. But I mean you mentioned New Japan there, and I did say there were the two big uh, debuts on this show and you know, Tony Khan, message board poster, can't help but be right, always, um, which is something uh, as you get older, you uh, you tend to do when you grew up in that in that world. And, you know, we made the fuck up of describing the Keith Lee debut as a forbidden door thing. And it was like, well, no, surely the forbidden door is, you know, leaving one company and coming to another. And he tried to, like, talk and say, oh, no, he, he's shutting the forbidden door and his whole company and he's coming in. And I think eventually he just was like, okay, I, I'm wrong here. I've got to win this message board argument. So fuck it. I'm bringing in a forbidden door guy as well. Hence Jay White. But I've got to be honest, it, it does feel a bit like a bit desperate and a bit not really thought through and a bit like Jay White isn't really wanted. Like, 
I don't know. I mean, obviously, you know, you go back to Spotlight three years ago and we were, well, Joe mainly, <laughs> we were pretty negative on uh, on Jay White. You know, we, we came around and I, I'm relatively, you know, big fan of Jay White. But even if you're not a fan of Jay White, I do feel like he should be a bigger deal than this. Like, I feel like Jay White, you mm-hmm. know, he's on brand page. Jericho kept going on about him being the, uh, the, new, the, the Grand Slam New Japan champion to the point where they had to end, like edit the show and have Excalibur with his, like, he, he sounded like he needs to drink some Lem Sip, you know, slotted in. So, Chris, yes, the Grand Slam champion in, in New Japan is... And then it explained, like, what a Grand Slam champion was because Jericho <laughs> wasn't going to do it. Uh, but still, it's a big deal. You know, he's a big... You know, he's a... He's been IWGP champion. He's been, you know, the big foreign star since Kenny left. I know he's been a bit in the mood, you know, this year, considering, you know, whatever has happened with him in New Japan that's led to him basically not being willing to be in Japan anymore has led to him doing impact. And his star has lowered this year, but I don't know. I feel mm-hmm. like in a less packed, less busy, less, you know, this felt like a pull cord in case of emergency situation. Jay White coming into AEW should be a big deal. I, f- I feel like it should be a, you know, mm-hmm. if this was happen- if this was the first Forbidden Door angle and it wasn't Kenta, like, this would be happening at the end of a Dynamite. Like, he'd be coming out and he'd be going face-to-face with Kenny and he'd be like, oh, my God, the leader of the Bullet yeah. Club is is here in AEW and instead he's, you know, getting into shoving matches with Trent Beretta, like, and he's debuting in a backstage segment. And like I say, no matter what you think of Jay White, I don't think this is getting the most of bringing him in it, 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 to the point where it's like just don't bring him in then if you, if you don't have the time and space to treat it like the big deal i think it is don't do it because really you just feel, it feels like a cameo right now and it feels a bit underwhelming and a bit like they're not yeah. getting the money's worth yeah I'm, I'm with you on that i felt really underwhelmed by this because when i woke up and like i, I kind of knew keith lee debuted i was like oh jay white's debut and i was like oh and then i saw it and i was like oh like it's incredibly nondescript for someone who is, whether like him or not, is considered really in that sort of you know top four of New Japan, mm. top gaijin. Mm. Like he's been in that position, one of their guys, like from their dojo. You know he's thought of incredibly highly, and you look at how he's being used. If you want to look at impact as well, where he's taken on Eric Young. <laughs> And even in New Japan Strong, it's like, it's basically mystery opponents for him every time he's out there. And he's taking on Trent Barrera here. And you're like, like, there's one angle you bring him in for, really, that makes sense. And that's Kenny. That's the angle that makes sense. That's where there's history. That point when, you know, he was going to join... Uh, you know, it's that point where he won the US title and, and all the rest of it. Like, that's the thing that, that ultimately makes makes more sense. But this is kind of nondescript. Like, what's his history with the Bucks? I was, like, struggling to think it. Adam Cole is like, well, you weren't in Bullet Club at the same time. Like, they, but, like was Adam Cole out of New Japan, really, by the time Jay White came back from excursion? So, like... That all feels like completely redundant. And I know these are things that the casual viewer, but like at some point you're going to have to explain this. Yeah. And yeah, it, it wasn't like an in-ring segment. This is something that could have waited a few weeks. There was no desperate rush to get him in. It felt like he was in oh, the country right, for a while. Yeah. yeah. And he didn't. Yeah. All, I mean, he had, all he had to do is go, no, I'm wrong 
on the forbidden door stuff, like, oh, we'll just do a, like a winking emoji after and go, yeah, I'm taking the piss. Like, <laughs> that, that would have been more acceptable than this. Because I'm, I'm with you. I think, like, you know, the Young Buck stuff, yeah. And even the Kenny stuff, like, did they... Re- I mean, maybe it happened backstage, you know, but, but like, the... There was this issue, because you know, Kenny has said in interviews before about how they just dressed Jerry Weiss up to be the cleaner, and they did, really, at the start. I do think, you know, that's part of the problem where Jerry White struggled at the at the very beginning as they tried to make him Kenny Jr. But I do think you need to flesh that story out and tell us it, and maybe do it when Kenny's back on TV. Because, yeah, right now it feels like, it's almost like the Young Bucks are kind of booking this mini-story right now. I don't know if they are or if they got power in it. And they still see Jay White as like this mid-card young boy New Japan guy. And maybe Tony sees it the same way and they're not giving it like the gravitas that I think it deserves. But you know, but then you say it, you know, he's feuding with Eric Young on impact right now. So, you know, that's probably you know, Jay White's point of view is probably like beggars can't be choosy. He's probably like, fuck yeah, get me on dynamite. Yeah, I'd much rather do that than you know, whatever I'm doing right now, whether it be, you know, you say those rando matches on Strong or, or what's going on Impact, I'm sure he bit the hand off when they offered to bring him in. But yeah, I would I would definitely like to uh to see it treated as a as a bit of a, a bigger deal going mm. forward. But yeah, I think that was that was probably my only real real negative on the show really, because you know, even you know, getting into the uh, the main event, like I you know, I'd love the show to that point and I just assume I was like, okay. All right, this Hangman Page, Lance Archer match, they're going to do a bit of plunder. It's going to be your token dynamite, you know, spotty, big match. Let's just get it over with. The feud feud has been underwhelming. Hangman as champion has been underwhelming. Let's just get moving. And it felt a bit like Hangman and Lance Archer had heard that criticism. You know, had heard Pete and Hangman probably specifically as heard people say his title run hasn't been, you know, particularly the most interesting thing on, on AWTV in the, uh, the last month or so. And then they went out there and they just killed it. Like, you know, it was... I know death matches aren't your thing, but I'm desperate to hear, you know, your point of view on this thing, JP, because it, I mean, it wasn't quite a death match, but, you know, there were a lot of big spots in there, mm-hmm. you know, that crazy, you know, table spot um, at the end, you know, there was double juice in the match. There was a lot of, you know, downright dangerous Ooh. stuff in there. And they just went for it. And, it, you know, the crowd was hot considering that, I think it probably because they had that big debut and they'd had the big Punk Moxley match and it was just a such a well-put-together two-hour dynamite that they were ready for this match and ready to go with it. And, yeah, it was like the perfect storm. And, you know, this had probably good four stars as well or, you know, at least close to it, you know, as far as uh, plunder matches go. I felt like they, they went out there and absolutely killed it against my expectation and, you know, the, the analysis we gave this feud last week on Spotlight. I was so happy to be proved wrong with this match. Like, I really was. I went four stars on this. Um, I thought the great thing about it was it didn't fuck about. It was straight into it from the backstage stuff, fighting up kind of through the ramp when he threw Archer through the glass and he started bleeding. You're like, all right. And it just set the tone for it of, like, the kind of pace that they went at. And, my God, did Paige take some fucking bumps in this. The... um, Oh, what is it? Is the blackout he does to him onto the steel steps on the outside? Like, geez, I know they're not like solid metal, but Christ above, you're going to feel that, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Um, that was that was kind of like kind of really big in there as well. And the blade job that Paige took was just like fuck me. That's proper like kind of eighties territory shit. 
going on there. Like really was like kind of like bleeding away as well. I I thought even, you know, like all the stuff with the the top rope to stop him from using the buckshot lariat and, and things like that, all the setup stuff they managed to do, but do it in a way where they were actually were doing stuff at the same time rather than taking one of them lying on the floor and the other one sets up tables for like kind of two minutes or so. It didn't have any of that. I think it's it's the idea that this wasn't something that like, it's like 15 minutes long and he really doesn't fuck about. And because it's violent, it works. Because you're playing to Archer's strengths, this works. And even though he isn't pinned, which I have to say I'm not necessarily mad about for what is ultimately like a kind of count-out victory, I thought that final spot, like as contrived as it ultimately is, was fucking tremendous of the buckshot lariat of him rolling over Paul Turner's yeah. back yeah. <laughs> with the ref and then him going through the table like for the for the victory. That was that was brilliant. Mm. And in a match where I didn't have any expectations, I may well, this is gonna sound wild, have enjoyed this more than the Kenny Omega match, like to a certain degree, because I didn't I I, I feared for this and Archer in these matches hasn't all been great in recent times but like foot fair play because Hangman Page did something that the rest of those matches like the Moxley ones and the various other title defences just haven't done for him in AEW and yeah I thought this was like I went four stars on it um it's not like an absolute world beater. And I don't know whether or not a death match for me has to include glass for it to be at the kind of more, it, that's probably the point where I'm just like, yeah, I'm kind of out. I just think that's just, hey, you're fucking around with glass. You are honestly to God, like that ends up in an artery. You really only have yourself to blame. Yeah. Well, you know, and again, wrestling, it's like, it's concerned, but the same there, it's like, ah, you know what you're getting into if you're doing deathmatch wrestling. It's like that fucking knobhead on Twitter this week that was uh, going, oh, did you know Johnny Knoxville has had a brain aneurysm? He shouldn't be wrestling. It's like, you're concerned about the health and safety of the main character of the movie series, Jackass. Like, have a way of yourself. If that lad wants to land on his head, he's going to land on his head. Let him fucking do it's it. It's not you the know? first time. <laughs> yeah, it's like. That is not the person to be concerned um, about uh, taking bumps, but yeah, point taken. But yeah, this this was a uh, you know there was a level of structure to it, and you know the violence you know added to that, and it was just really well done. And it was nice to see coming out of it that they are going to call page. I mean, I won't labour the point you know we made last week about the, the call or in Cassidy stuff that you know I think all of us didn't really uh, agree with the the book and I think there's other places Orange Cassidy can get his uh, big wins without it being. You know the man who's going for the uh, the next title shot, but I think they'll be able to talk their way out of that. I think Cole and Page, you know, I think Page needs that. I think he needs a bit of focus on Dynamite in the next few weeks. I think if mm-hmm. we can get him, even just opening the show, and you know him and Cole going back and forth on the, on the mic a bit, or just feeling like he's the focus again, rather than random fifth segment or random third segments, like that's what I want to see. You know, in the coming weeks, I want. I think that's a. Uh, a good title defense you know obviously i don't expect a call to to be going over or anything but you know you talk about yeah you know if we are getting a longer term page run you talk about good heel challenges you can put him in there for a match that'll will be strong uh, even if still maybe not the biggest thing on the show i think we've got a got something good there yeah yeah i i, I um I like the fact that because it's Adam Cole and because they're very, very fond of putting him on TV, it it forces them to put a focus onto um, the the match against Paige. I think it's 
if they're doing that at the pay-per-view and you have to assume that they are like, I think that's an excellent match to put on there. So I think the crowd are going to be really into it. I think it's going to be uh, like, it's kind of like one of those interesting tests where it isn't two established names at the top of the card, but it's showing to other potential wrestlers, look, you know, you can end up in a world title match on a pay-per-view. And we only do four of these a year and they do have meaning to them. Um, I think it's it's good. I think the fact that the Cole can lose it plays into the Buck stuff with with Page as well. I'd, I'd say it's still too soon for Kenny Omega to come back because you can get by without Kenny Omega. If we're going to be honest, and I think you hold that off and you let him get as rest you get him as rested up as you possibly can be. Like honestly, to God, you get to grips with a lot of those issues, and it's like, right, this might be the last big Kenny Omega, big match Kenny Omega run that you have. So you don't need to bring him back in at this point in time. And Cole has proven that he's very over to that to that audience, and I think it it, it it's some good stuff. And I think you can, you know, then build after this, you know. Because looking at this, this could be like, you know, we talk about the disappointment of Kenny Omega's reign. You're talking about Paige going from like this to the two Danielson, two Danielson matches and the Archer match as well. And the Archer match obviously being kind of very different from the, from the, the kind of first hour long match. The Cole match hopefully will be good. I'm not mad about Adam Cole as a worker. And I fear that in a main event spot, are we going to see the melodramatics come out? Because somebody needs to put him backstage and go, mate, if your hands are there, use them. Don't look at them, use them. <laughs> Good advice. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. I, I've definitely turned the corner a bit on Cole since he's come to AEW. That would be off-putting, you know, if we get that style of match. But, you know, the sneaky thing about Handman Page is he goes out there, he has bangers. You know, we had the tag team match of the yeah. year before last, last year. You know, he was in, in the argument for match of the year with, uh, with Brian the Brian rematch at the start of this year, this match as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'd ever think that we're going to get something uh, stronger for, if it is the pay-per-view match. But yeah, I guess we'll uh, guess we'll see. Um, I was going to say, any other thoughts on, on Dynamite? Uh, any thoughts on the uh, the Jay Cargo like AQA match? Or I suppose we can also talk the um, the uh, the five-minute uh, challenge match that they had. Serena Deeb do. Um, shame we haven't got Gareth for the uh, you know monthly Serena Deeb uh, loving segment on this uh, this Happy Valentine's Day. But you know, I'm sure we can uh, we can carry the workload. Well, I'm kind of happy with Deeb being a featured heel act, and it's only a minute long. Like so, for this one, like I think they're going both the same rate, which is like one and a half stars. Like this did the job that it needed to do, and it doesn't take up much time. The Jade Cargill AQA match was far too long. And we were talking about this on the weekend show as well. This idea of how you use Jay Cargill, you've got to be really careful because I would say there is something there. What there isn't at the minute is a wrestler who can go a particularly long period of time, particularly against someone in AQA who I know they've signed and, you know, you hear people kind of hire her, but isn't particularly experienced. You know, they're not known. She's not known to this audience as well. And they're going like seven minutes and that's kind of too long unless she's in there with like somebody who's experienced like a Thunder Rosa, whoever, someone who's going to be able to kind of lead her uh, a bit along the way. Mm. Honestly thought, um, yeah, it, it, 
like we said this during the squash match tape, um, you know, you want to see her squashing people. She's the epitome of someone who should be squashing people as kind of like TBS champion and the rest of it. And then, and then you can have her being extended like kind of every once in a while at the moment, if you're going to give this the kind of meaningful reign, I think this kind of stuff ends up show, showing her up a little bit as like the kind of very inexperienced wrestler. And it doesn't mean like I'm down on her because the look is striking. The promo is, is there. She is different to everybody else. And we talk about like, you know, Keith Lee being unique. Well, Jay Cargill is that mm-hmm. completely. She looks like she should be in a Marvel film. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like, yeah. And, and so you just want to kind of see, I just didn't think this is not the place where you're putting in someone who you're looking to sign in there against. I, yeah, I didn't like it. Jade Cargill, because you see, like I saw some interview notes from her on, I think it was Talk is Jericho this week, where, I mean, she must have said like a hundred times, you know, I don't need this. <laughs> you know, she's got, you know, uh, I think her, uh, her husband is like a retired, is it NFL player or NBA player? You know, she's pretty well off and, you know, has already had a, you know, a career in bodybuilding and such and doesn't need this wrestling shite is kind of the, the feel you get from her. So part of me is like, fuck, I can imagine her to be the type that AEW put over strong and put over strong and then by next year, like, she's already bold at wrestling, she fucks off. Um, but at the same time, I think it's worth that risk, treat her as that special attraction. She doesn't need to work matches. Like, I think this match was, it was a mistake. Like, that, that, that point... You know, you forget she's a rookie, and then there's points where, like, you know, where AQA went up, up to the top rope and Jabe was a bit out of position, and then I think AQA panicked and jumped off the top rope, and then they had to run the spot over in the corner after. That was all very ugly, and it was a bit like, uh, you know, <laughs> that's why you don't want Jabe matches to go this long. You just want to end them as, as soon as humanly possible and make her that special attraction, make her, you know, a bigger than the rest of the roster and she's got the secondary women's belt so it's not like it's the end of the world you know to to have those matches not be the the featured 15 minute you know drawn out matches that you you might want to do with the proper women's belt i think that would be a fine route forward but yeah you know aside from the finish you know i I did enjoy it i'm a bit bit perplexed what Mm. i really did to to get a contract out of this match but you know um people do seem to be quite high on her from a, a previous stuff and you know stuff in uh in their next days so you know i guess we'll uh guess we'll see what happens with her but yeah i'd also you know to piggyback on it yeah share your kind of i enjoy the fact you know this five minute challenge thing for serena deeb how many times have we said it you know we want to see more on on dynamite and rampages this is just a nice little five minute thing we can do to build up and build up until you know she meets somebody who can uh who can meet that match i'm i'm quite happy with that on dynamite as well you know nice to have a you know this, mm. uh, secondary thing kind of running through the show and you know, in general i think it's nice to have you know something that's not Britt baker focused or two things that aren't Britt baker focused on a on a dynamite give feature wow. uh, you know at least a little bit of time yeah yeah it's 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 more time i mean it's it's not much i mean in, in terms of it but it is like kind of putting like kind of who you feel are the most featured acts and i'm just glad serena deep is because as a, as a wrestler in the same way that i'm glad that thunder rosa is kind of around a, a lot of segments because that i want to see thunder rosa in kind of big high profile matches i don't know if you want to get on the rampage I mean, it's a weird place i wouldn't be the place i'd naturally start but like a just crown crowd sweetening like oh. as well a, a palooza it felt like watching like a raw or smackdown frankly i love dynamite and you know hopefully that came through in that you know criticism of jay white stuff aside 
I couldn't find any more fat on that show. You know, I loved it. You know, down to even the Wardlow Sposh we didn't mention. Like, everything about yeah. the show I really enjoyed. Even if, I suppose, maybe I, I would have uh, not given the Butcher quite as much offence as the Gabe or the Blade or whichever. The Blade, was. mate. Um, the, but, the Butcher's the one who's in the, oh, in the band. Oh, just Pepper Parks. Like, why, why, what am I doing? Yeah, you know, but, but, but overwhelmingly incredible show like i say it would be in my top one or two or three dynamites of all time if i uh, sat down and but that'll be a five to one episode one time the uh, the best episode of dynamites ever absolutely loved it and then it's funny you know rampage maybe it's a, a combination of not staying up late for it you know it being a taped one which usually i do skip those ones and don't bother watching it i watched this on saturday morning and didn't enjoy it one bit like and i think a big part of it is that like i just found it tough to watch because the you know, you think AW do so many things where it's like, okay, WWE this, well, we'll do that. You know, WWE have got this wrong for so many years, well, we'll get this right. And what are the one of the biggest complaints of WWE over these years? It's fucking SmackDown pops, and it's the fake, you know, noise that they pipe into their shows. Why AW feel the need to to do it themselves whenever they've got the chance? It just comes across terribly. And yeah, I found Rampage tough to watch for that reason because it's like a wall of bad you know dubbed in noise and we're still the worst commentary you'll hear anywhere like chris jericho is probably he's in the top five worst wrestling commentators of all time i'll stop myself from saying worst ever but like and it's not even like chris jericho couldn't do this job well like chris jericho as a talker you know he's up there in wrestling history as a podcaster even you know as you know somebody who can talk like a human being and come across intelligent and you know, be engaging. He's got that in his locker, but then they put him on rampage and he just screams like he's doing like a, yeah. he's doing an act of what he thinks. It's like when Vince McMahon used to do commentary in the nineties, Vince McMahon thought, uh, I can't really talk like this. And he's doing like, you know, what, what he imagines a commentator is Jericho's doing the same thing. Like, why can't he just talk like he does on podcast and be a normal human being? Why does he have to scream over everything? You add that to the, the dubbed in noise and, the amount of dubbed in Excalibur lines they do as well, where, like I say, it sounds like he needs a sip of Lemsip or a, a Hall Soother because, you know, it's at the end of eight hours of, of busy recording and he's he's dubbing in these lines either because Jericho's fucked up or because the last minute they wanted to throw a, you know, a pre-tape in or something like that. And yeah, it just becomes a cross really overproduced and just fake feeling. And yeah, I mm. didn't enjoy this week's rampage as an hour, hour of tv i found it hard really to to concentrate on what was happening in the ring i mean i probably didn't dislike it as much as you because i got some enjoyment from the kind of opening tag i thought that was kind of fine in that stable of young bucks matches but yeah it is it is something that takes away from it and i have to agree when it's a taped one and i know this because like Sometimes it's like, okay, looking for the card and you'll notice, oh, okay, so this taping has already taken place and the rest of it. <laughs> and I try, I try to generally avoid spoilers for the most part. I like the idea of when they did the Brian Danielson and Lee Moriarty stuff. I was like, oh, okay, I'm kind of True. excited at the overall direction of that. But like, they were the first two kind of spots. And then the rest of the show was kind of like, I mean, the hook matches are the hook matches and they are always going to be appealing. They're fine. But part of the beauty of them is, is that they're very short mm. at this point in time. They come in and they're not giving too much away, which is great. So I'm happy for them to come in, be short things that kind of get the crowd kind of that bit lifted. And I tell you, I noticed there wasn't as much crowd sweetening during the hook stuff. Like 
don't need to, do you, with that? Whereas I think with stuff, even with like the Brit Baker stuff, that kind of like, I, I thought that was awful. I thought that like, I don't, I, I was just like, what Mercedes Martinez and Jamie Hayter having a feud. And like, I, I, it's just like, well, where is this going? Why is Brit Baker still a heel when that crowd have been chanting for her for ages and still behaving like in this way. It doesn't make sense. Came from like, talk about the unfocused stuff. Like Britt Baker is kind of prime example where the storytelling isn't focused. Hmm. Like it's Cody-esque in that division as well. It is. She shouldn't be bothered about the Mercedes Martinez and um, and everything else. She should be building up to her and Thunder Rosa. Yeah. That's what you need to do. The Brick creative is, although like it was only a couple of weeks ago, she was doing that weird stuff with Adam Cole, and it's like, yeah, she's very unfocused. Yeah, I get what you mean. Um, it's uh, the whole problem with her. It's the same as the Adam Cole problem though, as well. Like she's the most over as a babyface heel, you know, on the roster outside of him. So that's awkward too. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, if we're building to, you know, something with Jamie Hater at some points, you know, and on all of this, you know, who's mm-hmm. really my backup type stuff, Lee ends up. You know, with hair splitting off and them doing that match, I suppose there's there's something to it there. But it does feel it's like in a microcosm, very AW. Like you know, when you talk about the criticism of the booking and a lot of the a lot of the show seems like they're just trying. It's like you know the way they put Danhausen with with best friends, which I, I do feel like he's just one too many goofy acts to to be in that group. Like put him in Dark Order or put him somewhere else, maybe. But it's almost like you know, best friends just keeps endlessly growing. And they've done like Mercedes Martinez being added to this Brit Baker group is kind of the same. It's just get as many faces on TV as we can. You know, everybody who comes mm. out has got four people following them. Like <laughs> AW feels like right now, and that's kind of a, a thing with that. But you know, I, I am quietly in, intrigued in in where that story goes. But no, I'm with you. You know, I, I'm harsh on the production elements of Rampage. You know, it, I just I, it is starting to uh, to be to be a bit much for me. I do think they need to, uh, to to sort some of those issues out. But I can't say the show didn't have you know some strong stuff on it. Like you say, Young Bucks on Device was a was a good little um, tag match. It's it is quite interesting that you know Tony Khan's like this New Japan fanboy who's parent dream matches to uh, to see once again young bucks against Rapongi vice um you know to the point where he literally held it off and held it off until rocky was able to uh to come back and do the match rather than just put chuck in there or something um, really you know it's strange it's strange but you know he's into it so you know they went out there and had a, had a, had a, a decent little like opening tag and i, I thought yeah, they had the closing tag Jurassic express and gun club you know it's gun club oh doing yeah it want it. you know I, I don't necessarily um you know appreciate billy gun getting so much t- screen time in in 2022 but as far as challenges of the week to tied over jungle boy and luchasaurus for a little while i think that was a you know a worthwhile um little bit of business um, but yeah, it's it, it's more that the rampage presentation overall. I'm a little bit uh, harsher on than you know, I suppose what they actually have between the belts. I think it's reflected in the ratings as well. Mm. I think there's a general sense from the people watching Dynamite of like, okay, what's on Rampage? Is it stuff that I need to kind of see? And if it feels like it's the extras from this card that didn't get onto Dynamite, mm. then we're not going to be mad about seeing it. And in some ways, that's kind of how it feels by comparison. Because you've got like this hot dynamite and it's like, well, by Christ, what else are you going to put on there that's going to kind of lift them up? Mm. So if you imagine if you're taping Rampage almost straight afterwards, then, you know, that's going to be the the kind of little tricky predicament about how do you boost that crowd? Um, yeah. Unless I mean, you've it's... got that, you know, that 
mm. problem, that inherent problem that, and it's because of the time slot and it's because of, you know, especially in being a port against the Olympics right now. But literally Dynamite, this, the, did double what Rampage did. Like Rampage literally both in the demo and in the overall viewers mm. is half what Dynamite does. So you kind of got to give it half your attention in that, you know, for all Tony Khan's talk at the top start of Rampage about it wasn't going to be a B show. I mean, that makes you make it a B show, doesn't it? Because you do want to, you know, make the crowd excited and you do want to, you know, convince people to watch it. But at the same time, you don't want to waste stuff on half the potential audience. Like that's the, that's your balance. Mm. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And it's a very delicate balancing act for how they do it. I just think there's there's more interesting ways to perhaps use that hour um, of TV. Like, I don't know why you need four commentators. <laughs> anyway, I mean, you mentioned about the commentary. It's like if you if you just had Excalibur and um, and Taz on there, you'd just be like, I'm perfectly happy with this. This would be like all manner of brilliant. And again, that would be focused. But you agree like it's a, it's a strange show um dynamite it's interesting next week they're on seven pacific um eastern time so like you're talking kind of prime time stuff really or just be- just before like prime time you know that's i'll be interested what the rating does if they're aware because i think they're doing a whole load of nba stuff so if it's forming a kind of lead into some and like I think it's the NBA kind of All Star Weekend or something along those lines. So that's interesting, it. Yeah, what will it do as a seven o'clock product? You know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. You won't be able to have like as much violent stuff on it, but do you need to have that on there? Yeah, maybe it's got more legs as, as that. You know, rather than the, uh, the late night. Yeah. Um, better for us anyway. Means it starts at midnight rather than uh, three in the morning. So. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll be up. Uh, I'll be up late for that one. I think. Um, there you go. Good news. Um, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Anything more AW before we move on? No, but something I did want to hear from you about, and you mentioned it earlier on, <laughs> Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. <laughs> and when are you when and when are you going to be announced in it? <laughs> that is the uh, the big news. How do you look forward to your, your Tuesday morning uh, updates with the RHL host stuff? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been avoiding talking it a little bit on, on here because, I mean, I'll, I'll just say it, me and Alan uh, are thinking of doing a, a podcast talking about in depth about the uh, the ROH Hall of Fame, yeah. who'd be in our Hall of Fame, I think. But it's making yeah, it really yeah. hard to do because they're getting it ro- so right. Like, my assumption was they'd fuck it up and it'd be like, you know, Jay Lethal would be the first inductee and it'd be like, oh, me and Alan could sit down and go, no, 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 what they should have done is inducted the Briscoe brothers, Brian Danielson, Samoa Joe. That's what they've done, <laughs> like, literally to a man. Like, they are literally the, like, the first four inductee and there's a fifth coming, obviously, the captain, the, the Briscoes is as one entry, like if they announce Loki or CM Punk or even like Xavier or something, like this is a perfect first ballot Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. I think like, I I, I would guess, you know, they've gone retro for like the first like group. So I think the last one might be a, a Jay Lethal type or, you know, somebody from the more modern era of, uh, of ROH. But yeah, they were fucking absolutely nailing it, mate. It's, um, it's actually quite nice to see them do something competently for once because, yeah, I think there's, you know, obviously Joe being announced today, like that is, that's the yeah. ROH title run that everyone remembers and talks about to this day. It's the reason I've got the belt uh, behind me here. You know, it's the, um, like Samoa Joe, Ring of Honor champion is a mixtape slash deep cut slash something we're 100% doing at some point. I know I did that a bit <laughs> yeah. with, uh, with Davey and Braden, but we'll, uh, we'll definitely do our own version at some point because that is the, you know, the prototype for what 
a world champion you know should be in your promotion you know as far as like taking the belt from one level and making it you know a proper world title and making it you know the, the, the you know a title that people talked about both through the quality of defenses and just how joe carried himself so yeah made up made up that he's been added like he's a he's a perfect name and um, to include i hope you know it maybe means he might do it a bit of an appearance or something like that because mm-hmm. obviously he's available for it but yeah, I can't fault it top to bottom. Like, I mean, I don't even think they needed to put Joe in because, you know, Danielson surely your y- your main eventer. You know, if you if if there is some kind of presentation happening or there is you know some kind of publicity they're doing around, it. I suppose we don't know that yet. But you know, Danielson again, you know, as you've seen, you know, from was going back and doing those mixtapes, like he's as far as ROH legends go, and as far as probably the best wrestler to ever be in ROH and the you know to have the best matches in ROH history, that's a slam dunk too. Like. It's just shockingly mm-hmm. competent. Maybe the fifth person will be delirious or something, and you know I'll come back crashing to earth or Matt Taven or something. Like that, but oh. the fucking nailing it, mate. Genuinely, I'm I'm, gen- I'm pleasantly surprised. Yeah, they are, aren't they? They're absolutely nailing it. So I mean, we've just had Briscoe's, Danielson, and Joe announced so far. Yeah, they're the like. And Briscoe's was a nice like they. I think they were the were they the first. That is Danielson. That I mean, that's one where they part cover. of the first show. Yeah, I mean, that's it. You know, and even Mark's on there. He's on the rage and he couldn't wrestle, you know, uh, but he's there. He's, you know, he's on the, uh, yeah. he's on, he's on the, he's on the footage, you know, from that early stage. And that was a storyline they played in, didn't they? It was him wanting to debut and all the rest of it. And Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff like the Athletic Commission and stuff. And obviously there's their famous match and there's the famous J match with, with Joe in the cage. And then, you know, they took a couple of years off and then they came back like twice as big. <laughs> um, you know, we're pretty much from that point, from like the 2005, Five-ish point, you know, the 2006-ish point, the uh, the Briscoes that we that we know today, and it's mad because they 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 have literally spent their entire career, you know, by hook or by crook in Ring of Honor, like that, you know, they're pretty much, you know, when Ring of Honor does hit the the, the exact tw- twenty years points, that's twenty years of them in the same company, you know, and being, you know, Jay especially, you know, but elevating to a a top level single star as well, like he could go in the ROH Hall of Fame on his own and he could go in the RH Hall of Fame based on his, you know, Sinclair stuff, based on his, you know, post Gabe era. You know, it doesn't all have to be, you know, Benno's uh, glory period two thousand two to two thousand eight type wrestlers. Obviously do need to pay some lip service to the to the years since. And I imagine in like future Hall of Fames you'll get your young books, you'll get your Kevin Owens, you'll get your, you know, maybe El Generico, those types of Davy Richards, those types of guys, Jay Lethal. But yeah, the Playing a blinder right now, as far as the names go, and I just, just can't argue with it. Gotcha. They are absolutely playing a blinder, and, and this is when you get into the value of it. Because I think what Sinclair are doing is they're running loads of like best ofs on their basically what were fucking torrents and tape trading tapes are like kind of now on like kind of the, like being shown across America. Um, it's it, like, is there going to be like kind of a big like kind of an event then in that case because you would love to yeah. think AEW obviously would want everyone to come along I think in that case if you've gone this big in your first round mm. I think you do go punk you try and make a real name of it because even the second round stuff that's going to be really strong like I know those the WWE people aren't going to be able to go or anything else but mm. if you're able to get punk Joe Danielson and the Briscoes like all like together there you're kind of going like that's we talk about that we talked about the death of Ring of Honor and I'm again 
a, a deep skepticism them kind of doing stuff like this and like keeping the name out them obviously mentioned on the weekend about them being on impact as well and i think giving them a bit of juice um like this is stuff where ring of honor isn't quietly going away i mean we're talking mid-february at time of recording you know they're going to be you know in what month and a half they're going to be having a show at mania if that does a good crowd as well and it gets good reception then what like it does it does become kind of interesting at that point where where people are are now able to kind of like uh, finally at last as ring of honor is effectively like at best on its deathbed they start to utilize the fucking ridiculous <laughs> library that they've had for all of this time and they've done nothing with just driving the price nothing with it all making a uh, Tony pay a few extra quid, aren't they, for when he uh, inevitably buys it off and maybe that's what the the game is. Um, but no, you're right. Like I, I thought they were nailed on to not come back. They're clearly going to be doing this WrestleMania weekend show. A lot of attempt behind this uh, this Hall of Fame thing. We'll see how much of a real Hall of Fame it is. You know, it might just be video packages. It might not be a, you know, a, a legitimate, you know, I, I, Punk, like I'd love him to go in the first thing, but I wonder if it's an ass to get it because he did that uh, GCW Hall of Fame thing, didn't he? Um, you know, last mm. month, which was lovely to see, just to see Punk in the same room as Homicide and Chris Hero and Dave Prezak and, and stuff. And look so happy there as well and look like, you know, he belonged. You know, it was, uh, that was really nice. But I don't know if you get two of them from Punk in a year. I think you might want to uh, hold off on that and do uh, do it next year. But yeah, I guess we'll see. But it is. It feels the most relevant. Far away, chapping a little while, and it's while they're dead. So you know. I actually think Punk is enjoying this stuff, and I think he's enjoying wrestling. That I don't think it's beyond the realms of like him doing that. And I think if it gets to mean that he like he's they're all getting to spend the evening together with people who he came up with as well, then you know. Yeah. Obviously, if Colt Cabana is inducted into the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame, which I would also do on the same ballot, just for shits and giggles, to see what happens. <laughs> the people who thought he might be Punk's partner on uh, on Dynamite, yeah, I don't think that's happening. I think they. Oh, I think it's uh, yeah. Uh, that, that, the, even, the fact that even MJF hasn't gone to that as a line in a promo tells you it is off limits. You know, uh, it is very, yeah. very off limits because he's never. That's what he literally just said. Needs to say the words "Cold Cabana" and there'll be massive heat. Like that's all he needs to do, and he hasn't done it. Even just that high Cold Cabana line, like, and he stayed away from it. So I think that uh, that's mm. not where we are with that, unfortunately, in real life. But, no. Or they're saving it, mm. which they're probably not because it's wrestling. You're right. <laughs> it means that just don't go near it. Yeah, I think that's probably what it is. But yeah, pleasantly surprised by the ROH thing. So yeah, I think if me, and, me and Alan will be doing a show about it and talking about it in a lot more depth. But I imagine we'll probably just have to go, okay, that's the first ballot. They got it right. What's the second ballot? Um, you know, I don't think there's a, you know, we can't uh, really fantasy book a, a better lineup uh, so far, I don't think. But I'm sure we'll... Uh, We'll give it a go, but uh, yeah, moving moving on from there, we did say we'd do a little bit of a, a catch up on uh, on TV wrestling mm. um, that we don't uh, don't always uh, get a chance to do. Um, I've seen a couple of shows, JP. You've uh, you've seen a couple of shows. Uh, go on, you start us off, mate. What have you? What have you been watching from the old uh, JP catalogue? Well, gonna go into it because I know you've seen it as well. I when I did the daily update, I just put in all caps tell me stuff that I should quickly get in before spotlight tonight <laughs> and universally really MLW fusion 
was the thing that um, that came up. Not future Azteca or whatever bloody variant of it. Pure, unadulterated MLW. Oh, and I watched it. And I'll tell you what, like, talk about the, the old, if you're, it was rewarding your long-term fans of, uh, of MLW with the shocking angle at the end of it. <laughs> like, I don't know. There's so many things when I watch this show that makes me laugh. But yeah, yeah you watched it as well, didn't you? Yeah, like the yeah, the Hammerstone um, holiday stuff at the uh, the end of the show was, oh. yeah, you know, I mean that's been building since MJF, you know, left the, left the promotion, and you know they had uh, even a uh, even Alicia uh, to, to getting uh, getting involved in there, you know. Um, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a bit odd. Um, I don't know if they should use the uh, the person who you uh, you wanted to uh, to have in that role um, as like a, a as a heel manager of uh, of holiday uh, it seems going forward but you know they are the two lads they've gotten behind haven't they like you, you know as far you know you could see the potential in them like Hammerstone there's something there I think um, I, I do think Richard Holiday just comes off a little bit budget MJF at times you know the segment they had on the yeah. show where he's like and was he on the Vegas strip or somewhere or in LA or something going shopping and you know, the MLW camera just happens to catch him but a fan comes for a selfie with him and he's all like you know <laughs> yeah. got his little fucking bluetooth earpiece in and stuff and I don't know like he's, he's a bit budget MJF for me but uh, I don't know, they're, they're, they're two guys aren't they pretty much as far as like homegrown guys to push you know and like you say Rewarding, I suppose, for uh, for long term MLW fans, of which I'm not one. <laughs> but you're aware of it, though, aren't you? Yeah. Secret MLW fans, my <laughs> everyone's favourite type of MLW fan. This is this is what Court Bauer loves doing. I think more than anything else is he loves like plucking people who you really wouldn't have heard of, mm. and working out a way of right. How am I going to make them like kind of my guy and really push them? And you could see when they had MJF there, it was like, well, it's it's borrowed time. Mm. You know how how long they were, he was going to be there for, but made sure that the ultimate job was to get those guys over with that audience and then kind of look where they are. Mm. Like, you know, it's, I don't know how it'll, well it'll do or how well it'll draw, but for what they are as a kind of as a, as a television product, it's perfectly fine. Kind of surrounded by like, God, we talk about misfit toys, like Jesus Christ, it's a wild roster, like with, with MLW and the people they bring in there as well. And match quality does lack, um, generally, there, there is as well. He's got, um, got a type go court, and he like you know. There's always, oh yeah, you know, like somebody's trying to take over the company, or like you know, we got this whole like Azteca stuff going on, and you know, he loves his you know good, good pretty shots of like the scenery and stuff, and he loves his he loves his street toughs. That's another one. Like, there's a lot of that, a lot of yeah, that, you yeah. know. Going back into what was Jordan Oliver's stable called? All those lads, like this. Oh, um, um, uh, the, the, they were the ones that had the mask over their heads. Oh, sorry, the mask over the mouth. And the past, what were they called? Oh, you know, Him and Myron Reed. Yeah, them lot. Uh, you'll come up with it. But, like, you know, that they were kind of that. You got 5150 on this show doing, like, you know, street tough probos talking about, you know, they're going to, you know, get revenge for Conan and stuff. And then. Like I saw, I can't, I can't remember who I saw to say this. So I can't say it's my my own original thought. But you've got 
Jacob Fatu, that there doing like making a difference, Fatu doing injustice, like, injustice, injustice. Fatu. Yeah, uh, but yeah, Jake, like Jacob Fatu is doing the, oh, doing the whole like, oh, like, like I remember that from my, my childhood when, uh, when, when the, uh, the 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 sheik or whatever he was called, uh, Fatu became make a difference, Fatu, and he was like, you know, gonna make a change, gonna make a difference, gonna help the kids. Like, very uh, yeah. Carter from yeah. South Park. Like, why have you got Jacob Fatu doing it? I don't really understand what's going on. Why? I thought he was a Samoan savage. Why is on the streets like I don't know it was an ISIS <laughs> he like you know b- before this as well the way he worked contra into all of this as well yeah. at the same time was almost admirable um ah like I I agree just that, like the tropes of the MLW TV show just before we go on to the Jacob Fatu stuff like uh, he loves stock footage of any city and it could be anywhere that could be the same one they use for Charlotte in a couple of weeks' time. But I think I sp- I'd spoken to you about like the MLW segments that they've been doing with Jacob Fatu here, where he's having a, a fag and like and he's drunken basically three quarters of a bottle of like whiskey, which means he could be talking pure shit at that point when he starts talking about that drive by, where he oh I feel like a prick saying this. It goes a bit. I, I got very confused who got hit in this drive by, other than he'd witnessed a drive by, but wrestling had saved him. And then he was like, I'm a bit annoyed about the Contra stuff, but we'll just let that slide because I'm half cut and I'm having a fag here outside. And there's a good chance I'll have a slash behind this bin somewhere around there as well. And it was, it was, it was, I like, I feel like a, a dick because there's a part of me just didn't want to believe him. Didn't want to believe him whatsoever that that any of this stuff is true. <laughs> it, it, I like you giving it this thought, to be honest. <laughs> oh, but I loved it though. Yeah. Like at the same time, I want this shit in my wrestling TV show. Like, and I, what I love about MLW just making the best of what they have. Mm. And when you consider the sponsors. Have to mention that I didn't realize that earbud thing with soldiers is still a thing because that fucking bloke who sponsors it, that lawyer guy, he's oh, still uh, banging on about Cornette's lawyer, isn't he? Stephen P. News, Stephen, Ke- Stephen Kelly. I want to say his name. Oh, no, is it Stephen, Stephen News? Is it Stephen P. New? Stephen P. New. There it is. Yeah, him. Like he was, he was on about this like two years ago that if you served in the military with these earbuds, like. It makes it sound like it's on a, a wrath of Khan and it's some sort of slug going in there going to control your brains or something like that. A bit Black Mirror-ish. Um, they were there. And Don King appears to be sponsoring yeah. it as well. Did you see them? I was them, the bo- made that deal. I was like, Don King. African Don King boxing, no? Yeah. <laughs> That's so shady, Corp. It was African boxing. Ah. <laughs> uh, wonderfully shady again yeah. like i don't need to know any more about it mm. but it's like those kind of things and the tropes are there the control centers no one hijacked the footage there was no mads kruger this week the cesar duran stuff is is kind of all very odd but like all said like there's there is a kind of like enjoyable wacky package that you're getting here for for some of this stuff and i have to say ej and duca is a fucking unit that man. oh it should be oh he is isn't it all wrapped up in one he's probably the size of both Ant and deck isn't he <laughs> this lad like he's fucking monster this bloke it just sounds like that's what you're saying, EJ and Duncan. Uh, maybe that can be the end. EJ and Duncan. 
Oh, it feels like a wonderfully niche reference, but yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. EJ and Duncan, fucking hell. Like, did you did you dislike this? All of this as an hour of telly. It's just, yeah, it's never going to be very fusion. Like, I, I watch it just to, to humor you every now and then. It's not good though, is it, mate? <laughs> it's, 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 like, Come like, on. I, I appreciate the like. You know, it's like they're trying to be different. Take a little bit of ECW, take a little bit of modern indies, take a little bit of maybe similar to what Dynamite stuff and a little bit of Mexico, a little bit of Lucha Underground and give you this melt melt and pop. But then, you know, you got fucking notorious weirdo um, Mr. St. Laurent, you know, building up matches. Apparently he's coming and backing as a manager. And then uh, a lot of the matches. Is it Killer, Killer Cross is going to be coming back in? Which is his level. Like, he should be in MLW, to be honest. Like, MLW impact. That's the level for Killer Cross. Um, you know, and yeah, King Wirtes, Richard Holiday, you know, is on the show. And there's like, you know, like I say, that main event match with Hammerstone and Pagano, which was just lost on me. I don't really get Pagano. He's not a, not for me really as much as, you know. I like He's that. a one good match you've seen, mate. Uh, when? That Chessman match at Triple Mania when he, blo- oh, I think, it, yeah. when Stavanovic gets blasted with the fucking guitar and does yeah. a mad blade job. It's great. Sloppy and just it's shit. Shit, basically. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't really. Shit. I get, you know, again, MLW, I think I do. It's every time we watch this, I go, didn't enjoy it, but I do kind of admire the job they do about, you know, it's the broken toys theory, isn't it? You know, and Corbar will bring in like a, a rando lucha guy like that, or, you know, try and, you know, mold something out of a Jacob Fatu or an Alexander Hammerstone or bring in a Loki or bring in a Davy Richards, you know. It's unique. They do their best to try and stand out in a very, very clouded landscape. Mm-hmm. I think all of the different TV shows we preview or, uh, you know, or talk about, you know, on the weekend show or, you know, kind of that happen each week. This is the one where yeah. I think it's... I, I do think it's the lowest quality as far as England goes. It's not exactly New Japan strong. Oh, it is. And when you consider the amount of free agents who are out there, mm-hmm. it's kind of inexcusable in, in many ways that he does this, which kind of shows you the budget that he's on. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got Davy Richards in there against Hammerstone at the um, at the next kind of big show at the I think that's the one in Charlotte at the end of the month. Um, and I think that's like kind of what he should do because that's the kind of thing that Hammerstone needs. Is he needs good wrestlers to guide him through matches, something that he's not had in in his really the entirety of his MLW run is he's never had that. And it's probably about how they budget as well and how they have their kind of own guys. They use like an Iroquan who like they you know they'll do something with um and the rest of it and it, it's it's kind of intriguing to see how they do it how they manage to do this on the kind of shoestring budget it didn't look like the crowd was as as big as it has it felt been empty in, arena was, like i had to yeah. remind myself there were people there it felt like empty arena mm-hmm. yeah that is an issue uh, whereas those shows come across great because you know they're in tijuana or wherever and you know yeah. people are there to see essentially the crash but mlw so you know um, yeah something to be said for that normally um and and for wrestlers it's appealing as well because i think the idea is is they're not going to hold you to that contract if you want out you'll get out mm. but they're happy to kind of use I mean, people so i don't expect Egypt... are written on like a napkin oh, yeah. and you know core powers using a pencil you know it's just it's not oh yeah i don't think they're real 
it's like you know I, i'm liking to think of him now as he, he, you know he's tony wilson from factory records like kind of making people like making joy division sign and blood and stuff like that and EJ e, e Duku might end up being like Sean Ryder or something like from the Happy Mondays. Goes a bit mental, ends up in Jamaica, refuses to make a, like an album. End up, they're sold on the recording gear for crack as well. Completely lost their fucking minds. <laughs> Tortured artists, that's what they have in uh, NMLW. <laughs> they uh, do. If you haven't got more to add there, I'll tell you about a TV show I did enjoy that I, uh, that I squeezed Go on. in there before tonight. You Japan Strong. Fucking great little show this week. <laughs> Same honestly think it was a, I don't think it was longer than like 35 minutes maybe it was 40 at a push fucking like three very short matches or three very different like talk about night and day between MLW and you know this this is if MLW is all the bells and whistles this is just it's just a wrestling show in a wrestling ring with pro wrestlers having pro wrestling matches and it's as simple as that but but the absolute highlight of the show was, uh, and I, I hate giving Josh Barnett any credit because I think he's a fucking cunt, but Josh Barnett and Ren Narita, fucking awesome. Like, Ren Narita, like, he's doing he's doing mini Shibata, like, down to the hair and the gear and the kick pads at this point. He's That is entirely what he is. But, oh, it was so much fun seeing him in there with Barnett and, you know, worked well with Barnett's stylings where it was a more uh, EWF kind of, you know, treat this like it's a shoot blood sporty kind of, you know, grappler match where there's not really much fake pro wrestling in there and there is a lot of stuff that you know plausibly you would see in like a real fight but it came across like that a real fight and a real struggle and thought narita looked like a, a killer of points although you know his role in the match was always you know gonna be his role in the match but yeah really really enjoyed that i thought it was a not a star making performance for ren narita but another example of what he's got you know, and what what we might uh, mm. well see from him in uh, in future when we start to see him in, in longer matches, and yeah, for his part, I thought Josh Barnett was great as the uh, the grumpy veteran in there as well, not not taking his shit, just a fun bit of business. About six minutes, wasn't it? The match it wasn't that long either. It was just great. Yeah, I I, I thought it was fucking tremendous. Like I really like it's the kind of thing where I, I when I put the the rating in when it when it's up on the app is I'm, I'm thinking to myself like three point seven five four stars. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a point where there was some of the transitions they did in submissions. One that Narita did into a fucking armbar that was yeah. like really fucking great. Um, and like it then started to get kind of stiffer towards the end of doing oh, like the kind funny. of rival Germans and the strikes. Uh, and I think if nothing else, what this does, it just gives Narita credibility. Now, of all of the people on Excursion, he's probably like the one at various points I've been kind of like, he always seemed very nondescript, yeah. but his body seems to have filled out. He seems to have like kind of shown a bit more muscle mass. Basically, his character's clicked. It just feels like it's clicked into place of this is who this guy is. Now, in some ways, I'm thinking, all right, as a mini Shibata, yeah, but if you're easing Shibata back into wrestling more often, then he's the perfect tag for him. Mm. Like, perfect guy to have in there tagging with him there take as the well, bumps. and he can take the bumps, Exactly. And whilst at the same time, you know, kind of taking a lot of the kind of like things from Shibata at the same time, it was just, this is the the thing that I kind of loved about this show as much as anything. And it, and it does make me slightly annoyed that I don't always watch it every week is the three matches they had in there were all very, very different matches for what they were and what they were trying to achieve. 
and what I, what and, I think I've noticed from these 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 shows now is like you know we do only like I personally come in every every now and then and watch these shows, but it feels like the audience knows what they're watching now and they're more invested yeah. in a Narita or they're more invested in a Daniel Garcia as Liam mentions in the chat here or yeah you know I, I mean and that was shown in that Narita like josh barnett match like there was a point where like the strikes got to a level and narita was fighting back and fighting back and the crowd was so into it and to the point where when josh kind of like he caught him in like an arm bar and it turned into like a suit like a suplex like, it was like head and arm suplex and then pretty much killed him at the end and took him out like the crowd was molten hot and it's not a big crowd either but like they were into mm. it and i think the early you know the the, the you know, the empty arena in Japan, strong stuff. Obviously, you know, there wasn't much going on. But then when they first started doing stuff with crowds, it did just feel like a Bullet Club crowd had turned up and weren't watching the TV week to week and didn't really invest in any of, you know, the young guys like Narita or whatever. But I feel like that problem's gone. I feel like they, you know, these lads are mm. starting to get over and starting to be, you know, known commodities like within this universe. And yeah, it really worked for me as a show. But you're right, you know, it was three matches, three very different matches, you know on the show three N- none of them you know outstayed the welcome you know Hikaleu's kind of match was there's just a you know a bit of a, a spotlight kind of match for for him more than anything and the you know the uh, i think the, the tag was the main event wasn't it the uh, the finn use mm. against joan rambad do tito match was just you know yeah. a great back and forth you know tag match very very different <laughs> from that match in the middle it was just but again, that didn't stay outside as well. Like I say, total runtime in the show. Apparently, it's 45 minutes um, according to New Japan World, but it felt like it flew by in about half an hour. Take out, what, five minutes of adverts. You don't need to hear Alex Kozlov at the beginning, who still is the worst part of this show by, like, a country mile. Oh, yeah. If I've got problems There's with Jericho, well. I've got problems I- with him. Like, he's bad. Yeah. He's fucking. I was delighted. I'd forgotten Riccoboni was doing some stuff for them, and I was really happy to see him there because my God, is he a natural fit for them? Like he, he really does. It's, it's almost they don't need another English language commentator there, but it's just a reminder of how good Ian Riccoboni is. Like as a, as a commentator, like his depth of knowledge, like it feels like if you're AEW and you're thinking, look, he's the closest you've got to an Excalibur that's kind of out there you need this guy doing your other show. You want to make sure you're kind of like not having running Excalibur ragged because as you were talking about it, when on doing, when he's doing some of the taped lines afterwards, they're having to dub in poor lads on Lemsip. He's probably not allowed to fucking talk for the rest of the week in case he <laughs> ruins his voice. So let's just sit home in silence. Um, but I, th- I thought what was great about the opener, it's a Hikaleo match at the end of the day, was the fact that that crowd, because they're in Seattle, and I've never I've never heard of Cody Chun, but they were talking about him in Defy Wrestling and like how over he was, and the crowd fucking loved him. And it just added juice to a match. And I thought it was a little bit more competitive than I thought it was going to be. And just added some juice to a match where it kind of wasn't there. And I think that's that's kind of part of the job that I like that, New Japan Strong does is that there are various bits of that undercard that you do find yourself caring about. Like there is like they have done that kind of long-term build of them there. The build they've done with Team Filthy overall as a unit and everything else is is always like kind of really good fun. I know on these tape on the next set of tapings, the rivals tapings, they're like gonna um, you know, they're in an elimination match. And I think like they're kind of like great fun. And I think Rocky Romero's talking about New Japan Strong. They have their kind of own contracts. And, you know, I'd say at the end of the day, like, you know, you can get 
obviously they'll go for some big name gaijin that they can get in there as well. But it's like, Jesus Christ, don't sleep on the show. I said it once and it's probably not a very kind of popular thing, but there's a part of me says, this is the show you should have on access. Yeah, I forget it's not the show that's on access, to be honest. Like, when we talk about access rating, mm-hmm. I forget it's not this. It's just old highlights, isn't it? Because, yeah, it's the better show. And I love the mix of talent yeah. as well. I love that it's, like, a, a good mix of, like, you know, and they're building it into, I mean, I presume it's a feud. You know, you had um, Gabriel Kidd on uh, Res Things um, podcast this week. Oh. Bro, talking. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard him do that accent before, but okay. Um, <laughs> He was uh, very much sounded like, you know, where's he from? Nottingham? Uh, yeah, he's not him. I don't know if he was uh, doing some pirate uh, radio in his time or like he's got a, a bit of <laughs> yeah. career that we're not aware of, but he was, uh, yeah, he, I don't know if he was putting it on or whatever, but like he was uh, trying to trying to talk tough and build a match with uh, with Daniel Garcia, bruv. Uh, you know, but it was, it was great because it was like building the realism of like, you know, we're the New Japan Dojo lads. We trained under Shibata. You, you cunt shouldn't be doing the Shibata pose. Like, who are you? You're just some indie dude. But they're both on New Japan Strong. Like, I really hope it is building to a match. You know, bring in Lee Moriarty, you know, bring in those, those guys, Wheeler Utah. I want to see that, like, generation back. I've seen some of the other, you know, New Japan Strong talents, you know, Jonah included, have been have been getting involved in the uh, in the back and forth on this. Like, that's a fun little feud. I think they should uh, go forward mm. with that. You know, the, the New Japan homegrown guys, strong homegrown guys, the Shibata students against, you know, these outsiders. I think there's a bit of juice to that, so... Hopefully, uh, you know he's uh, he's talked his way into something there because it's been it has been funny to watch back and forth on uh, on Twitter. Like Gar- Garcia has been finishing him though. Like Gar- there was a tweet where Garcia said something like, "I'm not taking that from the the seventh best best Shibata students or something like that." I was like, "Yeah, finished, <laughs> <laughs> he's dead." But I hope it's not just a shoot and they don't just all hate each other and they really are building a, a bit of a few there because I want to see it. I'm just liking the gumption of. Gabriel, you don't see New Japan young lions on excursion do this kind of shit, do you? Mm. They're normally kind of like quiet as anything. Like Clark Connors, respect, like Desperado said, I want to take on anyone around the world. And he said, I'd love to have a match with you. That's normally how this shit is done. Mm. Not like this, but I kind of admire it. It's It just makes, I think it makes Gabriel kids that bit more different to what other people are doing at the moment. And frankly, he's back, backing it up in the ring, but I'd love to see that happen. You've got to Oh, don't like yeah. Just sounds like any amount of London bullshit I've heard in all my <laughs> fucking times growing up. Like yeah. the, the, the common. That's, what he, that, that's how I describe it. Student Street. That's what. Yeah. He, that's what he sounds like. God, yeah. Just like kind of yeah, fucking bruv talk. Um, but like it, it's one of these things I think with um with like new japan and what they've done with this new japan of america it's just if it drew like i know some of the shows draw quite well like some of them have done like kind of one and a half thousand i i think they haven't quite mastered what the building is a lot of the time it's not using big name stars from japan though to do it it does feel like there is a kind of like that core roster they have and that is generally doing some like really really good work and that they don't and that's i think kind of the crowd are more engaged by that than say wanting to see tanahashi turn up for example i'm not saying they wouldn't want to see him but i think they're getting like a good bit of entertainment with these guys and and people people we know who watch like new japan strong every week Mm. you know they they generally go no this is like you know 
not losing their shit of being unrealistic, but it's a fucking good show. It's a great like 45 minutes of, of wrestling to watch. Yeah, Easy as fuck. And I think they'll build next week to uh, to Jay White with a, uh, I don't know who, I haven't seen the spoilers, I don't know who his uh, mystery opponent is. And yeah, you know, they're building up like week to week interest and stuff so yeah i think i'm going to try and make more of an effort to uh to tune in week to week like i mm. loved love 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 that daniel garcia the kingston match a few weeks ago if i've mentioned it eight yeah times in this podcast i'll mention it and then like gabriel kids eddie gabe kingston kid. yeah sorry gabe kid eddie kingston that was a fucking killer of a match like apps that was yeah. like my eye-opener moment for gabriel kid and then obviously seeing him in your call i was like oh shit this dude is for real um, but you know you get little gems like that on the show and you get little gems like you know Eddie Kingston turning up it's you know there is a should, definitely need to make time in my life each week for the uh, the 45 uh, minutes of this but uh, yeah I mean I suppose before we close up any, any other TV wrestling you've been watching this week did you get round to Impact JP did you, uh, did you I, did, I only watched the start and it was the uh, because then I read the the comments from the patron saying oh, you need to be watching MLW. I was like, right, I better get on that then. In that case, so <laughs> the only stuff I saw was was the Josh Alexander looking through the results. It, it looks like I might well have dodged a bullet. The only yeah. stuff I'm kind Josh of intrigued by is just to say sorry. No, yeah, I mean, the news brokers we were doing the pre-show. So we haven't mentioned it on the main show yet. Is uh, visas apparently up and he's no longer with Impact. Like that's a turn off for the books. Like he was. I mean, how many times did we do our impact reviews where it'd be like, yeah, the rest of the show is shit, but that's Josh Alexander. You know, he's the guy. Uh, apparently yes. he's not there anymore and apparently he can't work in America. He had to pull out to some indie dates this month. I mean, I hope I'm getting referenced on Dynamite, you know, the week before last by by Brandy. Remember that? Uh, forgot. Yeah. I've already forgotten about that. I think that's storyline. But I hope that was a, a shoot in some form and he's, he's coming in there because he's too talented to be, you know, no offense to the Canadians, but stuck in Canada, you know, you want it, you want to yeah. see him, you know, continue to do this and be on the uh, national TV. He's done his, he's done his stint in Impact. Now, admittedly, obviously, they ballsed up by having the kind of moose nonsense coming afterwards. Well, maybe they just thought, well, these contracts coming up, so we're going to do that. In which case, they should have pulled the trigger on him a long time ago because he's he's really looked like it. Now, here, like the promo ability he had was was good as well just to say, you know, there, there's just definitely something there. And again, we speak about like, he's in that wrestling prime of his mid thirties, where this is the best kind of work you're going to get out of him possibly at this point where he's going to be at the most kind of experienced and able to kind of manage it. Like there's so much there that you could work with because the size is good. Obviously the wrestling ability is good. The look is good. Like everything about like all of that stuff, the fact that he nearly had his ear ripped off and he still wears the kind of like amateur wrestling, it works entirely. Here on Impact, he beat the former Connor from the Ascension in like a minute, with like an ag- which I just read like oh big he beat big Con, but I didn't realize how long it was. It was like a minute, like they just had a match there and then. So you kind of you know you think to yourself like AW is the obvious place if Japan was open, then there'd be any number of places where, you know, well, you would say between sort of Noah and, and New Japan of of who would want him there as well. He's done New Japan strong. Like there is that, but I'm, I'm hoping like he, like you say, he's too good to be sat on the sidelines and he's proven himself as a talent. And more, more importantly, he's fresh as a as a face near the top of the card and as someone who you credibly want near the top of your card having really good matches mm. that old chestnut well yeah he can deliver on that yeah definitely 
Uh, any anything else notable from what you saw of Impact? Like I I was gonna watch it, but then we talked, you know, we talked about it on Friday and like we went through the results and I was like, there's nothing there that was like, oh, we like definitely need to see it right now. The the doing, I mean, as we talked about the the doing next you know, week. You know. Yeah, that's it. The pay per view. We'll 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 tune back in for Impact. I think for the uh, is it hard to kill um, mm-hmm. the Saturday? No surrender. No surrender. Yeah, yeah. Also on a on a uh, WWE Saudi weekend. So yeah, lots of. Uh, There'll be lots of homework that weekend for uh, for Spotlight on Monday, mate. Um, so yeah, we'll, well, we'll we've never in. we've never really reviewed a Saudi match up to that point. So I like I uh, hope hopefully so we won't do it again yeah. anytime soon. Yeah, yeah, always yeah. your day. Uh, I want to see I want to see Goldberg and Roman. I, I've got to be honest. Like I I do get a perverse kick out of these uh, shite Goldberg matches. So I'll probably throw it on. Uh, daytime pay per view, you know, is what it is. Yeah. I'll donate to charity or something like that to make me fall. I feel less dirty. Um, but yeah, anything else you've been watching, JP? Anything else you uh, you want to reference? No, that's it. I mean, like, hopefully in the next, there's a few things I want to watch, like, kind of on the more, like, I suppose it's wrestling adjacent. Like, one thing I'd like to do is at some point, like, if everybody gets around watching Peacemaker, which I know the last episode is this week, because I think that's a game changer for John Cena. Don't get me wrong, it's not a perfect program or anything else, but I'd be fascinated to know what you and Gareth make of that. I think the Lion's Raw documentary series on New Japan, that's, like, going to be... I want to catch up. I've had six episodes of that now. I'm just intrigued to see what it is. I mean, it could be complete shite and only give it two episodes, but at least you'll know. You know, like the time I did an episode of Roads to the Top, never bothered watching all the all the other ones on there as well. So there's those kind of things that I mean. We wanted Gareth and Sarah to do uh, the Roads to the Top podcast. That's what we wanted. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she wouldn't be fucking topics. having that. God no, um, and it'll probably turn out they're Liverpool fans or something like that. There'll be something like like some sort of Liverpool shirt in the background or something like that, and then she'll just go like, switching this off. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the um, I'm, I'm obviously there's a big Noah show coming up as well. Um, so like it feels like there's more stuff coming up towards the end of the month that I'll end up catching up with. So yeah, yeah, a little bit of TV wrestling, a little bit shorter than usual. No complaints, I'd imagine. There you go. Good, uh, old, old school, uh, get, a, get get all that shit in uh, type of podcast. But yeah, we'll uh, be back next week with uh, all of that to talk about. Like I say, maybe some WWE Saudi, maybe some sort of that impact pay per view. Uh, a lot of a uh, lot of AEW uh, again to get into. But yeah, other than that, uh, as we said earlier, we will be doing a. You know, for people who haven't heard it yet, please check out our uh, our best squash up matches mixtape um, on the Grapple yes. Patreon. This week we'll be recording a film club. We're gonna in the uh, the post show here uh, finalize uh, our choices uh, for that mm-hmm. um also on the patreon yeah if you want more spotlight and you do um want the uh, the longer cut of the show we do uh, every week for all patrons upload the uh, the full live recording um for the say this i call it to say this cut which is the 45 odd minutes of us talking shit before we actually get around to pressing record on the podcast then we press record on the podcast and then there's a bit of post show as well so it's the uh the extended uh grapple spotlight is also available every uh, tuesday morning um before i uh, get around to editing the uh, the main show so yeah do uh check uh, that out there and yeah hopefully meet us in leeds as well jp yes meet us in leeds uh sunday the third uh go to um grappleapp.com forward slash support um you can buy tickets from there you can also get a discounted ticket for hooked on wrestling as well like i say join us um martin bwe davy portman from up next and who whoever else uh a few other people will probably be be there as well and there's a raffle 
and there's going to be beer and we're going to probably be reviewing the first night of WrestleMania and you'll get to see just sort of live anger on our faces, I imagine, as we go through that card and then realising the sheer horror that we'll be watching night two as well later on that night, which will need a few drinks as well. But yeah, come along and join us in Leeds. Please do, please do. So yeah, crablife.com slash support for that. But yeah, other than that, that's it for us for another show. We'll catch you again next week. Bye. Cheers, all.